Hey, I'm Chris. Uh, you can follow me at CreaseArt on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I stream on Twitch as well, uh, also on CreaseArt. And you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Stunning. Really? Yes, a stunning display of talent. Okay, all right, that's cool. I know what you're thinking. Uh, what? And you're thinking the streak is broken. That's no. I, I'm thinking I, I wasn't feeling it, but you know, you're 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 the ears. All I did was do it. No, I just don't. I don't want to have to get into the editing stage and say, "Oh mm. shit, this woohoo is not up to the uh, usual sparkling standards." Of, of first of all, you wouldn't edit shit because. Oh yeah, I would. I wouldn't no, let you, you go in with a crackly yoo-hoo. I would not. That's why I would be like uh, a freak. A weird science. Oh my goodness, dude! Right. My man. That's now. That's a movie they should remake. No. No. They remake everything. No, let it go. Let it go. It's it's fine. It ain't going anywhere. You can watch it anytime you want. No, I know that. <laughs> but it doesn't need to be remade. Kids today aren't going to... You know what they should remake? Porky's. <laughs> okay. Porky's taught me what a butterface was. Yes. But if they remade Porky's, there would be a giant prosthetic stretchy dick in it. And and the the whole That's true. the whole joy of Porky's was not seeing the dick and just not fantasizing. God, you know, no, that's not what I'm saying. Um, imagining what it could be like if a woman of her <laughs> size was yanking on a on a member through a hole. <laughs> yes. Hey everybody, what a way to start an episode, huh? This is Eleven O'clock Comics, episode six hundred and seven, and I am Vince B. Awesome dude. You are Vince B, and I am David A. Price. Hi. This is true, and I, of course, am Charles Atlas. Oh, why are you Charles Atlas today? He's putting in the work, son. You're not Charles Atlas. Sorry. You do have a physique somewhat like him, like his. Uh, I wish. wish, No, no, his waist was too thin. You (laughs) are Jason Wood, everybody, together again. Yep. And you don't have to do amazing feats of strength like Charles Atlas in order to get cheap, funny books and bric-a-brac from the previews catalog. All you got to do is fire up your internet browsing device and, and type in dcbservice.com, and it will take you to one-stop shopping, the absolute lowest price that you're going to pay for funny books and other stuff, such as da-da-da, from Dark Horse. We got the Black Hammer meets the Justice League, number one of five. DC Comics, Dark Horse joint project. As Dap will tell you, DC and Dark Horse team-ups in the past have been wonderful. And we expect this to be nothing less. Written by Jeff Lemire, of course, with art by Michael Walsh. Looking fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, and and yeah, not, not to interrupt, because I am. <laughs> I will absolutely... Back you up on that. I will say that they have done some stellar team-ups, um, these two publishers. And, and I mentioned in my video that is as great as it is to see these two publishers working together again, a Black Hammer and Justice League was have never been a team-up that I could have envisioned. And, and that just... I'm, the fact that these two publishers have already done some impressive work together and now they're doing this just like it's... 
it, it, it was cranked up to 11. You sitting down burlap? No way. You got some, some static coming from you. Really? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not offensive, shirt. I'm just saying. There's a little bit of static. It's very subtle. It is it's subtle. It's my shirt. It's smooth. There it is. Like, yeah, it's got to be my shirt. Then. What are you wearing, burlap? <laughs> I got I to make it look good. Yeah. No, you always, you always look good. I don't know what the hell this material is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking like Simon Lewis. I don't know what the hell this... Um, but, you know, the, the cover the cover may say three ninety nine. On this Black Hammer meets the Justice League. There's no meats in it. I add that myself. But you are going to pay a dollar ninety nine because you're super special and smart, and you know where to go. From Titan Comics, what do we have? But Blade Runner 2019, number one. It is written by Michael Green, Mike Johnson, with art by Andres Gunaldo. Okay, and the cover, at least uh, on the main. Uh, main covers by Stanley Art Germ. Looking good, looking sharp. Um, and I guess it's by the screenwriter of the uh, Blade Runner, what is it, 2049? 2049 yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh ship date is 717. I don't know why I told you that because you don't really care. But uh, the regular price on this thing is 399 You are going to pay $1.99. That's boy's pants. And last but certainly not least, it's the end of the Dark Horse uh, Sandwich. This is Flaming Carrot Comics Omnibus Trade Paperback Volume 1, Bob Burden, Say No More. The cover price is twenty four ninety nine. but you, super savvy, you can have this in your box for $12.49. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your books all shipped real nice and sparkly and safe and secure right to your very door. What's that knock, Dap? Did you, did you hear be... that knock? That's Discount Comic Book Service being delivered <laughs> right to my door. That's your door. Right. It's amazing. Left on my stoop. Just do it. DCBService.com. Yes, and sir. Out of the way, I'm sure you're parched, so please, Vince, tell us what you're drinking. Well, I'm going to apologize in advance. Please do. I'm drinking the yingling. Yes, I'm killing yinglings. <laughs> You hate saying too, right? Just call me Anakin because I'm killing yinglings. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I have been killing yinglings for uh, a while. Well, that's wow. good. Yes. I had a day off today. So I've relaxed. Oh, wonderful. I relaxed a little bit. I love that. Did my previews video? Yes, I, I, saw, I saw you post it. I didn't yes. see it, though. Yeah. 40-some minutes of previews video. Yeah, mine was stupid long, too. Like, for no reason, either. You know people have attention deficit disorder, right? But the weird thing about it is, 40-some minutes, and I didn't even go into the Marvel and DC catalogs because there was nothing in there that really sparked my interest, other than usual stuff. I try and keep my 20, around 20. No, no. Listen, if if I'm going to... Think, you know. I'm I'm talking... I'm just... I'm like, listen. Yeah, that's what I think. You and and we're just... We're we're spending a little while together. That's it. They, They listen to us... You know, once, sometimes twice a week. I get that. You know, they, they're, they're not our beautiful listeners, wonderful patrons. They're not, they're not at a loss from us. But I just, listen, if, if, if I'm in front of the laptop, if I have the box, if I have the previews, if I have everything set up, I'm just going to go wherever it takes me. If, yeah. if, if about this and I go a little long on, you know, 
Marvel events from the 90s, then so be it. If it has nothing to do with the goddamn... I go off on tangents. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I was I was shitting on cell phones this time around and social media. No. Why? No, I'm, it's efficient. It's, 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 it's not a board meeting. We, we don't have... There's no itinerary. I'm just rolling with it. So, wait. you. So, that means you've never listened... You never watched one of my previous videos because you would be like, dude, what's with the tangents? Uh, I watched one, and that was uh, enough. <laughs> That's no, pretty I, hateful. Did you watch mine? Well, I, don't, like, yeah, I, I watch yours all the time. Oh, well, I, I mean, love to see your beautifully see, manicured listen, hands I listen to Jason's flip those pages. There's nothing, it's, just, it's just the pages. So I listen to Jason's, except when, he does, when, he, when he's got the camera on himself at the start, and, then, and, and, and I listen to Vince's. Yeah, I skipped that part. I just I went to. Yeah, I don't. I don't listen to y'all because I know what you're going to be into. I don't like. Oh, I, really? I don't know. Okay. But see, sometimes you got to listen because. I mean, no offense. About. I love you both, but I don't have an extra two hours. No, to, okay. to, to yeah, your, it's, your it's, only <laughs> it's cool, but it's 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 like it's you never know if if I talk about you all, and and then there might be a surprise if you know. Well, we I'll never up. know. You'll have to let me know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So. Maybe we know. should make a tag. For each video saying Dap Talks Jason or hashtag Dap Talks Vince. And then you could tag your videos and we'll watch them with the tags. Yeah. But anyway, and and I guaranteed that the flow of covers a day will be, um, it'll be a torrent for the near future. A very, Mm. yes, there'll be a lot of them coming your way. And a few surprises. So yes, if you're a patron... This is all going to come down the pipe, and, and, and you're going to love it. But if you're not, you can check out our Patreon site. That's patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. That got that out of the way. So um, at your leisure. You know, it's, it's not, there's no rush. Dap. Yes, I'm, I'm done killing. I'm not done killing Yinglings, but what are you drinking? Um, I am trying something new tonight. I have not tasted it yet i grabbed it last night for tonight um it is a cabernet sauvignon the it is vinted and bottled by bread and butter because i figured this little thing we got going at least once a week is um keeps me going it's kind of my bread and butter but it, it's it's a uh Aww. classic California Cabernet Sauvignon with hints of rich vanilla, toasted oak, and mocha. Perfect one enjoyed with good food, only good food, and company. So, Wow, it's very specific. Right? It's like, yeah. you know, it's, 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 if you got some mediocre friends, you can bust this out. Now, if you're drinking that, a couple assholes from next door come over, you got to put it down. <laughs> I mean, it smells great. I was, I was nosing it up before, but yeah. Yeah, the well, vanilla right got my attention. Oof. Yes. Sounds delicious. I am uh, drinking a giant glass of water with lemon. Oh, you're entitled. You had a hard day. I, I literally got off the like five minutes before we started recording. So that's dedication. Not, we appreciate. Not that. trying to feel the. Uh, not trying not feeling the alcohol right now. But. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it very much. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Yes. It, speaking of the Patreon, Vince, go do so. I've been throwing a few little daily genres on there too. Hmm. Featuring different original art that has uh, up for or recently auctioned. I saw that. Keeps people in the know. Yeah. Did yeah. you see? Well, you haven't seen because I, I, I may have a couple already posted for future days. I saw them. But uh, this was those the folks that are part of our uh, Facebook group uh, know this because we've been discussing it. But um, 
what was it? I'd say, what, about a year and a half ago we went to the Frazetta Museum? Is that about right? Last February. Okay. So last February we went to the Frazetta Museum and discussed it. And um, the Egyptian Queen, which many Frazetta historians consider his second most important work. Okay. Some would say third, but either way, one of his yeah. most important works. Yep. You, dis- you disagree? I don't think it's second, no. But it, okay, but no, I, I think the Conan, the Conan cover. Um, that was I was going to say. It's it's yeah. Death Dealer one is the consensus top work, and then Conan one or this Egyptian uh, Queen are are two or three. We're one, two A and two B. Either one. Point being, it's one of Egyptian Queen is one of his most renowned works. True that. And uh, as a refresher to those of you who weren't around back in February of last year, um, Frank Frazetta when he passed away left his estate, which is primarily his artwork, to his family. He has four children. They don't get along. So after a very uh, protracted and soap operatic uh, battle for the stuff, ultimately, through an arbiter, they agreed to do a good old-fashioned fantasy draft where the four kids went into a room and literally did a snake draft, picking art until it was all accounted for. And uh, one of the kids decided it was time to cash out and put Egyptian Queen up for auction through Heritage. Now, um, it was all, the second it was put up for auction, it was much like Avengers Endgame, guaranteed to be the number one thing of all time. Um, because the largest on record before this for any comic-related art piece was a million and a half dollars. So this was a given that it was going to be the, it was going to set the record for the most uh, expensive piece of, of comic art ever. Um, but, uh, but the price was jaw dropping. It went for the auction happened today, by the way, uh, it went for $5.4 million. Hmm. Can I guess who bought it? Is it a celebrity? How would I know? Oh, cause if Kirk Hammett bought it, then you would know. So I'm, oh, guess, well. I'm guessing Kirk Hammett didn't buy it. Well, I, how would I? You wouldn't even if he did. You wouldn't know that now, or may never know that. Oh, it's it's anonymous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, not okay. anonymous to heritage. It's anonymous. No, uh, to, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so that was the big. I mean, that was a huge deal. It's been talked about for months that this was coming. Um, but that said, Vince, there was a, a several original Carl Barks Scrooge McDuck paintings. Mm-hmm. Went including McDuck of Duckburg, which sold for one hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars. <laughs> oh man, that's a bargain. The, yeah, right. The double-page splash from X Men one thirty-seven, of course, the Claremont Byrne era. Uh, it's pages two and three of the entire team. Death of Phoenix. Classic man. image. Uh, was the, what? Huh? No, it's the the Jean Grey issue with Scott and uh, Jean on the moon. Right, but the image is... The right, no, I know, but the double... No, I know, right. I'm just... Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, pages two and three uh, auctioned for $204,000. Baffling. And one of the pieces that we saw at the museum, Jaguar God Number 2, did not get auctioned. And what usually happens there is there's a reserve for the big pieces, and it meant that nobody met the reserve. So it's still available for those of you that want to buy it. It'll cost you a clean three hundred grand, and it'll be yours today. So feel free. But uh, the the piece I really wanted to call your attention to, and the piece that I personally would have loved to owned if I didn't have a wife that cared about me spending our our savings on stuff like that. Um, 
There is a page, a full color page from uh, Playboy from the 1965 July issue of Playboy, Little Annie Fanny called Surfers. And it is badass. It is, first of all, it's it's cool just to look at because if you're familiar with Little Annie Fanny, it's a it's a, a sexy cartoon by the East, you know, best known for the EC boys. But what's great about this particular piece, it features the artwork of Frank Frazetta, Jack Davis, Bill Elder, and Harvey Kurtzman. Mm-hmm. All on the same page. Yeah. What did that go for? Uh, well, relative to the other things we've been talking about, it was a bargain at $21,600. It's actually not bad. I got to tell you, I mean, listen, that's a ridiculous amount of money, obviously, for a piece of art. But for what it is, if you're a fan of, of EC, that is an incredible all-in-one piece, right, to have. Plus, you get some Frazetta thrown in there. I mean, like, it's incredible. I like. The the and the way it was broken down is um, and I'll have the the piece the piece will be posted on Patreon, but uh, <clears throat> Frazetta drew the the women in bikinis, Jack Davis drew everybody else except for Annie and her boyfriend, whose faces were drawn by Elder, and then he did a bunch of sight gags, and then Kurtzman did the lettering and the layouts. So pretty neat. What a, yeah. it's an awesome talk about a jam piece. It's a piece of legend, right? Yeah. There's a lot of famous fingers that touch that. Some of the most famous fingers in in comics. Yep, the I would love to have that. FF number seventy was auctioned off. Mm, boy, Jack Kirby and Joe Sinnott, hundred fifty six thousand. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's a little too rich for my blood. But I mean, listen, real real talk. I was talking about this with Dap and Vander and those guys this week. Uh, it is astounding to me how many wealthy comic nerds there have to be out there in the world. Right. Because this particular auction, I didn't do an inventory, but there were hundreds of pieces in this auction. And granted, this is the biggest comic auction of the year. The, the high, This is the high-end stuff. But hundreds of pieces went for tens of or hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, it, you know, this, this isn't five guys buying all this stuff up. So there are thousands of people out there that have no problem dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars on a page or two of art that is incredible to me right you know it's irrelevant because the the art is commanding this level of of uh, commitment with these high prices but it almost makes me think that those people back in the day that said you know comics you know, comics art will never get the respect as as gallery art or, or fine art you know it's it's bullshit is what it is because sure. it, it's all art whether you want to classify it as fine or yeah. or entertainment, if if a piece that was was drawn by a man back in the day who was getting a page rate and just you know doing it to feed his family, and, and, and as opposed to someone who was silk screening Campbell's soup cans, now I don't differentiate; they're both the loves of my life. But for one to get a hundred thousand dollars for mm-hmm. this for this piece, and another is, is a, a by the art community, a thing of legend, and yet they're they're both commanding ridiculous prices. Mm-hmm. So, did comics get respect? Who knows? But I, it, like I said, it's irrelevant because somebody's buying it. Right. Somebody's it taking this time. seriously. To your point, it took a long time, and there was a very intense debate even up until a few years ago about whether comic book art would ever command the type of money that fine art does. Uh, but I think the last three to five years have totally 
proven that to be yes it will and you have to wonder is it old money or is it new money is uh, it it's it's mainly new money okay that's the big difference that's why you're getting these big prices because these are people that are insane looks uber wealthy and thus can but are treating this for more than nostalgia up until probably the time we did started doing this podcast uh comic art was almost exclusively nostalgia mm-hmm. now that didn't mean it didn't fetch big prices because a lot of comic nerds got rich and could afford to pay for their nostalgia but but it was pretty much driven the highest pieces were just based on provenance right first appearances or or key splashes or covers by legendary artists or or key issues now it's it's being bought by those people plus overall art collectors that buy art of lots of different kinds plus investors or guys in then the last thing is the internet has changed because now you're getting people from all over the world buying this stuff. Right. So, so is it safe to assume that the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has a large part to play in why these things are, are pulling down these kind of figures? Because I, everybody I, knows the characters now. I don't know, though, because the most expensive pieces aren't necessarily Marvel stuff, right? I mean, Frazetta and... But, um, yeah, trickle yeah. down... But these comic book movies are bringing in billions of dollars. So, you know, therefore, I must invest in, in things related to these comic book movies because I'll make my money back and more. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to... It doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to put myself in the in yeah. the mind space of these people. The, the X-Men 137 double page was bought at auction in 2003 for 55000 So in 15 years, they quadrupled their money. My goodness. So, well, I wish but my anywho, house would I'm going to post stuff now. Sometimes there's not going to be auctions like this. I mean, a, a five million dollar Frazetta doesn't happen very often. Uh, but there are comic au- art auctions all the time between Comic Link and Heritage. So, uh, anytime a piece floats in my boat, I'm going to throw it up on the Patreon with a little comment or two so everybody can set their sights. Because I know uh, m- many of y'all have lives and can't uh, take time to peruse the auction sites maniacally like I do. That's a good idea. Just the auction sites. You do everything maniacally. That's That's a compliment. That's a compliment. But a lot of the things I do maniacally are patrons that have zero interest in. Right. Like football. That is one of those things, yes. Yeah, yeah. Maniacally and methodically. But they do have an interest in comics. Well, then we should give them some, some comics discussion. We should. Now, we read a bunch of the same things for this week. Oof. And one of the things... Um, I pleaded with you, to, not really, I asked you to read at the end of our previous episode, which was Mary Shelley Monster Hunter number one. You did. All right. I did. Written by Adam Glass and Olivia Quartero Briggs with a gorgeous illustration by Hayden Sherman, and it's published by Aftershock. Now, I was, a, I mean, you know how near and dear the original novel is to me. I absolutely love it. And, and, and the films and everything associated with the, the novel Frankenstein is, is some of the things I love most in this world. I, I love the novel. Um, the movies just, 
I'm, I'm spellbound, no matter if it was Universal or Hammer or even the, the Don Glute. Like anybody could do a Frankenstein legend movie and, and I'll enjoy some part of it. Uh, Frankenstein's Army. Like I just love the concept. So ordered it, got it, and the first two pages gave me a douche chill because they're using the universal um the the one of the cut scenes from the original universal movie where the monster meets maria the little girl and they she she asks them to play and they she throws flowers in the water and he the monster runs out of flowers and instead picks up the kid and chucks her in the in the water he didn't know any better in the movie Within the first two pages, that look that the monster has when he's looking down at Maria, that bothered me because the smile. The it's it's a very sinister look. Like he has intent to harm this girl. It's not a happy look. It's not a bemused or or um, semi confused, but but um, enthralled look like he has in the movie. Like Karloff did a great job of of portraying the monster's conflicting emotions. Like, he didn't know what to think. He couldn't really speak. Um, he didn't know what a little girl was. He didn't know what a flower was. Like, it was a game. He was a child. He was a baby. And and this, this other child decides to play with him. So he, he was so in the moment that he chucked her in the water thinking, well... I don't know, these little little round things with these beautiful white things on them, they floated, the girl will float too, and she ended up dying. But in the in the comic, you get this real this very, very sinister downward glance by the monster. I'm like, oh shit, this is not gonna go good. But happily I was wrong. I was wrong. It's probably just Sherman taking liberties with what he was provided with from from the the writers i don't know but that one panel is the one that bothered me but uh happy to say it was an anomaly because this i thought the issue was ungodly good did you guys enjoy it uh i did i did i i i don't know because i don't have as much of an affinity for the source material as you do that i was gaga over it but i thought it was well executed hmm. the 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 reveal at the end the surprise if you will which i don't know if you're going to talk about or not yeah sure um did nothing for me other than like what it was i thought oh, okay so they changed this thing but yeah. i don't know why that's supposed to be cool or unique right well it's a bit of dr jekyll sister hyde if you know you're no, right, but I was right. like, okay, I mean, oh, cool, okay. Yeah, so. I thought it was cool. Um, Gender bending. Cool. Dap, did did you love or did you like? I I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought the art was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, the 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 art was a selling point for me. I've I've I haven't seen every Frankenstein movie. <laughs> I've seen I've I've seen a bunch. I saw the Robert De Niro one. I, I've seen a few over the years. Um, yeah. I even like Van Helsing, even though yeah. maybe not a big fan of the monster in that movie. But still, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the idea, I enjoyed the concept of of Frankenstein's monster, and the um, I I would have probably it's aftershock, so it's one of those things where I probably would have eventually flipped through it. I, I'm I'm glad I've read it, especially since you 
you asked us to. But um, like Jason, I don't, I, I, I don't live and breathe it. So, whereas there, there are plenty of other topics, concepts that uh, I may be a little bit of a purist on, and 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 might throw my brow if 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 a reveal like this happened at the end. But I I, I appreciate. Um, Taking it and, and running with it and, and going in that direction. It, it's not it's not a, a, a new new concept in this day and age, but but it's 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 kind of nifty. I mean, you know, I even I read this and I kept thinking about Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and and I just I kind of like that idea of um, we all know the history that's that's been written that we've read growing up, um, you know. And who's to say some nights maybe he didn't go out and kill some vampires and and it's i i i appreciate a a creator taking something like that and and kind of just um finagling it so so uh it can kind of maybe warp your perception a little bit but i i enjoyed this i i the dialogue i dug a lot i i i thought the um the conversations between all the all the parties, whether it's it's the Shelleys, whether it's 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 the the mad poet, whether it, it's I I just I felt connected to these characters, and 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 there was a bit of a concern when when they get to uh, when they get to the castle and uh, what's going to happen there, things like that. So I I I got to the end, and yeah, it, it, it's this issue was paced well enough for me to want to read the next issue like right away cool cool well let's let, i'm gonna give them the rub just to entice them of to course. maybe to maybe read this thing it the the first issue well the story mixes real world verifiable events things that actually happened and people that actually lived in on our world with the fiction that was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the novel. So the story opens at um, 24 Chester Square in London. And it's it's the final resting place of one Mary Shelley. And what do they do? Well, they're making money on, on the legend because they, they run tours of the place. They conduct tours and one patron stumbles over a, a rotting floorboard. And the board cracks and... Uh, upon inspection, what do you know? There's a journal found sequestered under the, the cracked board, and it was written by none other than Mary Shelley. And it details the events between the time that she and her husband Percy, um, with Lord Byron and her stepsister Claire, traveled Europe for a year, um, a time during which she was inspired to write the classic novel. Right, so we get a flashback, uh, or or the the narrative swings back to uh, Switzerland in 1815, Geneva, where um, Percy and Mary are celebrating their engagement. Uh, it's a big to do. People are invited. Um, it, it it's also revealed that Mary's pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and and they wanted to get married so their offspring wouldn't bear the stigma. Of of being illegitimate, being illegitimate. Of which Mary's sister Fanny is um, illegitimate. Was illegit illegitimately conceived. 
Fanny is the daughter of Mary's mother, Mary Wilsoncraft, and Gilbert Imlay. And she was raised by the anarchist William Godwin. So she's she's known as Fanny Godwin. She's known as Frances Wollstonecraft, but they're just calling her Fanny here. Needless to say, she's she was born illegitimate and and married. You know they don't want that stigma to affect their children. It's also revealed that Percy and Mary have a very well. They will have a very open marriage. They're free to just sleep around. Yeah, get with, their freak on. I like that. Yeah, right. whoever they want. I mean, this is a very liberated woman uh, for this era. Yeah, that this is forward thinking, to say the least. And this, unfortunately, this kind of thinking is 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 shunned and despised among the the majority of, of, of the population. Um, and it just so happens that after the party, uh, the next day, Mary and company are evicted from this home that they were renting for the winter, when a man who attended the engagement party turns up dead um the owner of the home blames it on their godless hedonism yeah y'all gonna burn you you heathens uh so who comes to the rescue the the mary and company are in switzerland with nowhere to stay it's the middle of winter they can't go back to london because the trek alone would kill them so who comes to the rescue but dr frankenstein and percy right from the get-go has a bad feeling about the whole thing. Mm, this is not going to end well. Like, I just got a bad feeling. Something's not right, but he, he goes anyway. And they, they get to the castle. They're escorted by the, 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 the servant with the hood and you could just see the eyes and it's all very, very hammer-esque. And, um, a little while after that, um, they spent a couple of days there, whatever. Uh, Fanny finds a, a human foot on the grounds of the castle. Uh, kind of an uncommon situation, right? You're outside looking around, you see a human foot. Oh, my God. So they alert the authorities, and, and they're told that there have been a number of robberies at the local morgue. And then, so the lights go on, right? Um, winter creeps, and Mary and her, and, her, and her companions have become increasingly bored, especially Lord Byron. Uh, and he issues a challenge. He says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're bored out of our minds. Let's try and conjure the scariest story each of us can possibly muster, and the writer of the most chilling tale will be crowned the winner. We'll get we'll get somebody to publish it, and on top of it, I'll give you my boat that I just you know bought. And uh, you know, Percy's still not feeling it, um, especially after they hear a scream and a crash. Um, He's certain that they're going to die in the castle. And, and Mary goes to investigate the sound. And she finds the doctor's lab. It's the forbidden zone of the castle. You're told not to go in there. But then she heard a noise, right? Something should have, could have happened. So she goes to, to suss it out. And she's in the doctor's lab. And it's typical, you know, um, Jacob's ladders and, and the whole uh, electrical array and the table. And she, it, it's perfect. Um, and, and she finds Johan. The guy that supposedly died after the um, engagement party, and he's he's in bad shape. He's he's not looking real good. He's crazed. He's bleeding, uh, and, and he said, "You're not going to kill me." And he grabs Mary Shelley by the throat, and he's and he's trying to throttle her. He's got her right, and you hear you see a gunshot, boom, from off panel, and 
the shot was delivered from one Dr. Victoria Frankenstein. And that's why I said Dr. Jekyll's sister Hyde, because there was a Hammer film that, you know, spun the legend of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And when, when he changed, he changed into a woman. And so now we're, we're having a play on Victor Frankenstein by casting the legendary doctor as a woman, which is kind of cool. I'm down for it. I, I, I thought it was a neat spin. Like, why not? Right? Yeah. It, the story's being told from, from, um, Mary Shelley's perspective, and judging from the the mores of the time, the the one of the main characters of the book would have to have been male. If if it was in the spotlight and it was a woman, it wouldn't have floated back then, right? But now we're more liberated. We're more well in many respects, but not all, and and we're forward thinking. And and a woman can be the center of of this novel, and that's what they're doing here. And I'm intrigued. And I need more, like right now. Right. Be- because you know how much I love Jason Latour. I, yeah. th- I thought Sherman did a, a, a very damn good Latour impersonation. I mean, the line is very similar to Jason's line. And, you can see that. Yeah, and just the, 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 uh, the body contortions and the facial expressions. I think there's a lot of Latour in his work, but not completely. I mean, there's, there's things that are unique to Sherman, but the color was spot on, gothic and dreary uh, on one page and then on the next, bright, shocking reds. I thought it was, the visual pe- presentation was a stunner. But it just so happens that the, the, the story is damn good as well. Like, like Dap said, the dialogue is perfect. When you have characters like Percy Bysshe Shelley and Lord Byron, your dialogue better be pretty cracking. That is facts. Right? Because these are two of two great writers, and, and Mary Shelley's no slouch either, so mm-hmm. your dialogue better be smoking. It better ring yeah. true to the ears, and it is here. I, I don't want to give this short shrift. I, I do want to agree with you on the art in particular, um, whereas I do see your point on Latour. I have to tell you, as I was reading this, I felt like I was reading uh, our boy Carl Slominski, though. Okay. This is what yeah. that reminded me of, Slominski. Yep. Who's of the same school? But but I just was like, wow! I'm like this. Yeah, I can see that as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, but 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 a huge huge that that is huge regards for me because I own probably 15 pieces of Carl's art. So yeah, I will say Jimmy's bastards aside, this is the best looking aftershock book I've ever seen. Interesting. Yep. Oh, it's because you still haven't read a walk through hell. No, I haven't. Okay. Now, how would you compare a walk through hell with this? Who, who drew that? Um, oh, God, I was a Punisher artist at one point. Um, oh. I'd have to look I it up. You, I, oh. No, I don't know off the top of my... I, I don't... It's 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 a European name, and, and that's why I'm drawn... I don't want to butcher it. Um, what I like about... Well, the, the colors are great, but what I, I, what, what I really dig is, um, is, is Sherman's facials and how all the it's like you you know it's one of those tells with with some artists and everybody has has those lines under their eyes over their cheeks and i i i love that marker and it doesn't matter who the person is what the expression is but they have that line or two on their face under their eyes um but i mean the the fingers are um Almost um, Mort Druckery, Jack Davisy 
kind of kind of fingers on the hands. It's yeah, I I definitely I get the Latour vibe. Um, the Slavinsky is is pretty much spot on. Um, yeah, it's 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 a really great package. I mean, you've established your writing because again, with these characters, it's got to be snappy. But um, the art is just is just fantastic and 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 you're not you're not reading this squinting trying to figure out what the hell you're supposed to be looking at everything even though it's it's it some pages might be um not monotone but just just start with some colors it's it's still everything is very apparent i mean it, it's not like there's a whole other electricity going through every room in this castle everything it, it, it can be kind of dimly lit um faces are exposed when they need to be it's uh it's it's really great use of of camera angles and and just the layouts i it's not like there's a ton of action but it's still a quick moving book and and i i like it a lot more than i expected to yeah well you i mean you knew it was i mean it's gothic as hell it's right in my wheelhouse yes i i had to love it but i'm not loving it just because of what it what it could have been i'm loving it for what it is and I just thought it was wonderful. It it exceeded my expectations for it. Uh, and and also, I think the cover image is great, but I think it's the worst part of the book. Yeah, no, I, I'm not feeling the cover at all. Oh, I like it. It's just I, I don't think it's in line with the heights that you see within the pages. I mean, it's a great it, – it's an image that would garner my attention. But um, – and I see a little snade in the line too, just a little. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but th- Gorin uh, Suzuka is the artist. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I have a yeah. Outline Nation, yeah. Splash page art. You bet. Right. Yeah. No, sure, sure. Nice. Oh, but it's, I thought it was wonderful, and and I'm 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 glad I bit. So I'm I'm um I don't know how many issues this is going to be, but I, I hope it goes on. I, I doubt it'll be twelve, but it'd be nice if it was. So. Nice. Yeah, great stuff. Are you happy you read it? Absolutely. Good. Sure. I'm glad I didn't lead you astray. Nah, never. Not oh, possible. well, I have. Yeah, I have. Don't be like nope. that. Never happened. Okay. I want you to read Gold Digger for next week. <laughs> <laughs> Did you back the, uh, the the dust jacket cover to your events? Uh, no, I backed <laughs> the, the early bird. The... Save the Gold Digger talk because... Our patrons, I know, tier get. Oh, my bad. Our no, listeners. I got it. I got. It. I just don't want you to spill the beans. But um, I backed the uh, early bird, which is uh, the fifty dollars for the the gold brick free shipping, mm-hmm. and for six hundred and some pages, fifty bucks. And there's a couple of these series that I don't have. It collects the um, uh, satellite miniseries and and series not gold digger proper it, can, it, co- it collects like the the offshoots and the tie-ins and stuff which a lot of them i don't have so now i now i will now you will now i damn will and i get to put gold digger once again in the in the show notes which makes me all kinds of happy so what uh-huh. else what else my man um i want to run through a couple things real quick I was hoping because I just got a massive amount of things that I've read. And if I go any longer, I'm going to forget what even happened with some of these books. So I'm going to do a little little lightning round. But I'm going to start with one 
that uh, that you guys might want to interject in because what I have to say about it, which is uh, I had never read beyond the first issue of uh, Punisher of the Platoon, um, which is, oh, of wow. course, written by Garth Ennis and uh, art by Goran Parloff. Um, I was bored as fuck by it. Hmm. I really was. I, I I thought it was paled in comparison to the other uh, Ennis Parlov Punisher books, the Punisher Max books. Um, it it just it just left me wanting uh, for what it was. So uh, yeah, I was kind of bummed by that because I expected to adore it. You do know you're breaking Dap's heart, right? That's why I said you might want to interject. I listen. I, I we spent a lot of time talking about the other Punisher Max uh, books. Sure. So. It's, it, I, I'm on record here as having tons of love for the prior efforts. I just thought that this one was uh, the weakest of the of the, of the series for for me. I just I didn't really care about the antagonist very much, and it was a little too maudlin for me. With the with the vet sitting around a table with the journalist, and, well, and, I mean, the, and the guy giving a speech at the end, being like, "Well, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You should focus on the fact that he saved us all, and we had kids and grandkids we'd have never had." I'm like, "Yeah, but." At this point in life, he's trying to focus on the fact that the dude became became a homicidal maniac who killed thousands upon thousands of people. So I'm not sure that you could say that because he saved your ass in Vietnam that that really matters more than what he's become. So it just felt very schlocky, which Ennis isn't usually – Ennis isn't usually overly emotional, I don't think. And and it felt a little bit maudlin to my tastes, but – the um, in- in some respects, it's it, it could feel like we got three really good movies with episodes four, five, and six. <laughs> we really didn't maybe need to revisit and and go back to that and see where the characters go from there because we all wrote it in our minds and happily ever after. Whereas we had we had um, uh, born. And we had um, we had Garth's fantastic Max run that ends with Valley Forge, Valley Forge, which is pretty much where. And and that was a great ending. You could have just left it alone yes. right there. But then he decided to cap it with this because it's that writer, and it's like, hey, I'm bringing it all back, or at least I'm putting the final flourish on on my run. And this is, you know, this is the end as opposed to, you know, us ending the series with, mm-hmm. with, with that story. And, um, you know, on one hand, okay, cool, they're going back, and they're kind of just, there's some closure, if, if anybody needs that. Uh, and in some respects, it's also like, listen, it's, it's it, it before Watchmen-esque, where it's like, listen, I this is pure. The way this is, I this is all I need. You don't need to, to muddy the waters, or, or let's, no need to sully it up. So, um, it, it can be either or. I I I was happy to get more, sure. Garth Punisher and 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 with Goron, which is you know fantastic. Um, but I I can, yeah I I'm not going to. This wouldn't be the Garth Punisher story. I'm going to defend. This is not going to be the hill I die on. With with, with right the two. right. It's but it's it's solid. I dug it. But I can definitely, I understand why you would feel the way you do. It's like uh, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. It's it's oh, still Fast and the Furious. There, but... It's right, yeah. It's like it. <laughs> but it's not the one yeah, I'm going to revisit. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Any anyway, uh, cool? Okay. Um, just quickly, uh, Snap Flash Hustle 
number three, I gushed about the first two issues. Uh, as a reminder to folks, it's about a uh, a alt model, I think Riot Girl, um, or Suicide Girl, rather, uh, named Haley Mori, who accidentally falls into a drug trafficking business where in- Instagram models are doing drug trafficking. And uh, hijinks ensue. Really enjoyed it, the first two issues. Uh, third issue... The thing I'll say is the art, which is by Emily Pearson, remains phenomenal. I thought it very much felt like a transition issue of someone that said, I need to have a five or six issue arc for a trade. So I I thought the third issue was a bit drag on and superfluous. Um, I think if you read all three in one sit down, though, or waiting for the arc to be done, it'll just blend in to what's probably going to be a pretty tight and right series. So going to keep continue reading it, but I was a little little bummed at the lack of momentum in the third issue. Uh, Vince, you might want to chime in on this one. Mr. Liefeld's Major X, read numbers two and three. We spent a decent chunk of time um, waxing poetically about the first issue. Um, for me, the excitement from the first issue has waned <laughs> near completely. I, uh, I, I, I thought the third issue in particular with Will's Portacio on art was an absolute mess Oof. visually and structurally. Uh, didn't I, I, I completely lost the narrative. It doesn't make a hill of sense to me other than trying to pull at the heartstrings of the fact that we're supposed to love um, the, the Liefeld 90s characters, which I have love for, but uh, just just leaves me cold. I, I have almost no I have almost no excitement about finishing this series. And from the sales, it doesn't look like many people uh, uh, are in opposition to my view. Um, Wait, before you move on. Go ahead. We are of opposite minds on the Portacio. Okay. Yeah, because never a huge fan of of Wills' stuff, but I thought he looked very good here. Cool. <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs> no, I, I I did not. I thought it would. Uh, oh, I'd I rather, it, have, right. I'd rather have more Rob. Oh, well, yeah, of course. It would have been nice if, if Rob did this whole thing. I guess it was anticlimactic because I'm like, oh, wow, Wills is back doing it. That's going to be cool. And for me, it wasn't. It felt like Wills trying to remember. Like he was once a, a scratch golfer, but it's been a decade since he's hit a golf course. So he was shanking some into the trees. But uh, to each his own. That's why it's okay. a speed round. Okay. Um, volume two of Moonshine, which is the the creative team, wow. is another team of my – uh, of uh, one of my all-time favorites, uh, Brian Azzarello uh, on writing and Eduardo Riso on art, of course, most famous together for 100 Bullets, one of the best series, in my opinion, of all time. Um, we A long time ago, we talked about the first arc of this, which is essentially a, a, a werewolf uh, story uh, told through uh, a werewolf meets um, moonshine era mobster story. Um, again, that's why I'm doing a quick quick here. The the second volume was a total snoozer. Um, it, it just I, I I'm 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 almost angry that that the talents of Azarello and Rizzo spent a year doing this arc because <laughs> they could they can and have done much better work. So uh, just not really much in terms of uh, character or plot that pulls you in and makes you clamor for more. So this will be a series I think that it will be quickly forgotten into the um, the you know the appendix of of each of their careers, uh, and then just quickly a couple Marvel series wrapped up. Uh, West Coast Avengers finished with issue ten. We had Kelly Thompson on a few months ago when she broke the news here 
because that's how we do right here, that, that West Coast Avengers is ending. It's 10. Um, I was very sad to see this go. We knew from Kelly being on the show that, that she wasn't planning on ending it at 10. So I think knowing that probably framed how I read the ninth and 10th issues and that I, in my mind, I felt like they were a bit rushed trying to wrap everything up, whether that's because she told us that's how it was or that's actually how it read. I'm not sure. It could just be my perception of it. Uh, but either way, um, subtext or not, uh, I, I I thought, given the constraints of having to wrap up the series much sooner than she had planned, I thought she did a lovely job. Uh, I really did think she handled all the characters well, even made pe- characters like Gwenpool and Quentin Quire, who uh, I, I heretofore had, had detested, uh, palatable for me. And so uh, I thought it was, a, it was a nice wrap up. And I think the 10 issues will will be a fun read uh, for those of you that that have Marvel Unlimited, I would definitely flag it when it when the whole series is up in a couple months and give it a read. It's a lot of fun. Spend an hour or two reading it. You'll you'll definitely uh, get your money's worth. Um, and then uh, last in the uh, in the speed round for me would be um, and Dap might want to jump in here. American Carnage uh, finished uh, read issues five and six. I know issue seven just came out. I haven't I haven't read it yet. Um, really enjoying that book. Uh, really think that now that's a book that is taking its time building a narrative, making us care about the protagonist, uh, giving us reasons to love or hate or question all the other characters that we've been introduced to. Uh, I think the art is absolutely fantastic and there's a tremendous amount of drama uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen, which I love. Um, I'm gripped by it. I haven't felt this way about this genre of book probably since scalped which longtime listeners know is heady praise for me because Scalped is probably a book that I gave an 11 o'clock score or 2-2 for like five straight years. So um, I'm not saying we're at Scalped level yet because we're only six, well, I'm only six issues through and they've done seven, but I'm very, very much enjoying what we've gotten so far. And I, I know you've read at least a chunk of it, Dap, so... Yeah, no, I've, I've read up to six. Uh, each issue almost ends... Um, it, it, it's... <laughs> The, the issues kind of end the same way um, I felt uh, as, as we were watching episodes of, of Mad Men or even that now with Game of Thrones. The way the way an episode ends is just like I just that's you're left in a position where you you just hey you can't believe it this is where we're ending off but uh, you're, you're definitely curious you're you're you're, you're you need to know what's happening next and Hill is doing such a great job because each issue the following issue picks up exactly where the last one left so it's not you're, right. you're not really left wondering okay it's been like five days and how did this person get from here to there no it's just it's one long continuous story it's 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 a hell of a hectic bunch of weeks for the characters in, in this story especially uh our in air quotes hero um and it's it's very much a story where nobody is um, you're not you're not just outright rooting for people to perish and you're not you're you, you may feel a little uncomfortable almost dirty if you want to cheer for anybody to win it's mm-hmm. it's very um, that's why I said it reminded me of Scout. It's it's real. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. It well no, I can't say I agree with that. I haven't read it, but it's it's it reminds me of um of one hundred bullets. It reminds yes. me um of of just the the characters are real. It it's it's nothing is black and white, which 
is ironic considering the I was going to say, feel. including the, including the protagonist. Uh, so, um, and, and uh, it's, but it's also of, of this time. It's, it's, I don't know if it'll be a classic or a timeless tale, but it's, it's, um, it's something that I think has more of an impact because of the world we live in right now. Um, and I know Brian Hill is, is deliberate in that regard. He's mm-hmm. not, he's, he's not painting a picture of, of, you know, this is what life could be like, or this is, you know, he's, he's not going to the ultimate extreme on the other end of the spectrum and saying that, you know, everything is, is absolutely horrible and horseshit. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are people in the world who, um, I don't say behave exactly like this, but I could see people behaving like this and that's what makes it a little uncomfortable as He's well. He's living as... in the shades of gray, which I love. Yeah. Um, and, and also we should say, cause you mentioned Brian Hill's the writer. Um, I neglected to say Leandro Fernandez, uh, another splash page art guy, by, by the way, it's funny enough, uh, is just been fantastic on the book, his, the interiors. And then I love everything about the book. I think Ben Oliver on covers is great. The cover. And there's a case where the covers are vastly different visually than what's inside the book. But I think it's fine. I think it's evocative of like when uh, James Jean used to do fables or um, or on Preacher. You got um, oh, God, what was his name? Uh, help oh, me out. Uh, Fabry. Fabry. Yeah, Glenn Fabry. Um, they, they're beautiful painted covers that tell a story. And it's not like you're, you're looking at those covers and thinking, oh, I'm going to get that on the interiors. You know you're not. But I think they're, they stand out on the stands. Uh, I think Vertigo is doing a fantastic job with this book. Yes. There's the speed round, Vince. You did very well, both of you. Sanka. Nice. Let's what? keep the train rolling. Yeah, we should tag on something else we've read. Well, what you want? Did you get a chance to... I haven't checked your list because of the incident. Um, did you read Calamity Kate 2 and 3? I read 2. I I don't think I read 3 yet. All right. Well, it doesn't much matter. Yeah, I was no, just you could say if you read if, if you read two, you kind of read. Three. You could, yeah. you could, you could, I mean, feel free. I, 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 you could spoil it. It's not. Right. It, it, there's really nothing to spoil. If you read two, oh, there's no. there's nothing to spoil. Pretty much. Um, so, Calamity Kate, written by uh, Magdalene Visaggio. Mags, affectionately. Uh, yes, <laughs> illustrated by Corin Howell, color art by Valentina Pinto, and it's published by Dark Horse. And it just uh, third issue just came out not too long ago. And we, we talked about the first issue, um, Kate Strand, uh, her wife divorced her and, and went off, and, and Kate is, is a monster hunter, and uh, she has nowhere to go, so she, she heads out west to, to be with her friend, to see her friend Vera, and Vera has a little daughter named Jade. Um, she crashes at her at her house and uh, makes a mess of the place because uh, Kate hunts monsters and she sometimes brings home the spoils and the the uh, Vera's house is is a shambles and there's blood and body parts and everything around and the daughter takes a shine to Kate because she's out of the ordinary and she's larger than life and she she goes out and she kills these giant monsters that are plaguing humanity but but Kate has demons. Um, other than other than the ones she she uh, she she fights, um, and in issues two and three, we get a little bit of the why Kate left home, um, and I gotta say I, I I don't have too much sympathy for Kate. In in, <laughs> in fact, uh, she is the lead character in this series, but she is the character I despise. 
I think she's she's a narcissist. She's a self-centered, lazy, woe is me. Um, I mean, you you come to someone's house and you throw f bombs around like crazy when she has a, a seven, six, seven year old daughter. Um, you make a mess of the place. You sleep on the couch. You outlive your welcome, and it's all about you. She doesn't see anything from anyone's perspective but her own. And mm-hmm. I, I, I can't, I can't glean, I can't glom onto a character like this. I, I yeah. find nothing about her that's likable. She's, she's trying to kill, or she's trying to eradicate the seven fabled beasts of yore. And uh-oh, someone else is doing the same thing. This javelin woman uh, is taking her spotlight. And we're, we're shown that javelin not only took Kate's spotlight, but she also took her ex-wife. Right. They're, they're together. And out. which is, is a little bit too convenient plot wise for me, <laughs> but okay, I'll, I'll let it, I'll play it where it lays, but I have zero sympathy for Kate. And in fact, I hope she gets killed by one of the seven <laughs> fabled, you know, because no, I mean, really what's, what's so likable about this character, even if at the end of this series, she realizes what a douche nozzle she's being mm-hmm. and, and, and sees that, you know, she's been living her life the wrong way. Like, what can you do for me? Like, what can I do for you? I should have shown you more attention instead of just wallowing in my self pity. And the, the, she, she needs to be put down. And even if she, like I said, even if she does turn and she realizes it, it's a little bit too, it's too little too late. You know, I just read three issues with this despicable human being. And I, I guess that's too strong a word. A very unlikable human being whom mm-hmm. if she ever came to my house and crashed, I don't care how attractive she is, she'd be gone. Because you, you don't treat people that welcome you into their homes like the way yeah. she treats this supposed friend. And I think the fact that Vera's husband died and Kate didn't even call her to check up Seriously. on her. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that we should have seen the writing on the wall from then, right? But um, I will say, though, the art the art's pretty cool. I like the, the design for the beasts, mm-hmm, um, especially, especially the one in, in um, issues two and three, the giant big hanging titties and tentacles. And it, the, the art's pretty good. I will say that um, Corin doesn't know how to draw a car very well. <laughs> no yeah it's it's a it's, box she's driving yeah. in a box with wheels she's driving a box with, with, with a box? big yeah uh, and a nice saucer for a uh right. for a steering wheel but i don't mind that i mean it, it for me the the draw was the monsters and the the the, the fighting and it, the story was somewhat secondary but i have to admit the the visaggio pulled me in to the point where i disliked this character immensely and now maybe I, I didn't tread down the road she wanted me to go down, whereas to see this character transform and change, I don't really care if she does or not. Um, so I, I may be, I may have diverted, but I'm still there. I'm still, mm-hmm. you know, it's not not parallel, but I'm at least in the same continent. So sure, yeah. See, part of it was, well, hey, I'm, I'm. Glad just one issue to go. Is it, it may be something that I just finish. Not not out of any sort of, you know, not not to say the mask, but I just j- just to see kind of where see if it sticks the landing. Um but yeah, I, I do not care for the main character at all and No, she's she's pitiful. 
part of me though i i think maybe because i didn't want it to be so on the nose because every time it's like she falls down and and all this smoke appears and she walks out of this fog and there's her ex and so the first time it happened she lands on her back especially with you know with with Sandra looking like almost an angel the first time it happens in the second issue I'm thinking it's all a dream but then then of course she sees um used to read word of magazine <laughs> she 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 sees javelin sticking her hand out the same way Sandra did so and then I guess the third issue was supposed to hammer the point home that they were together but she still she ends up slicing hacking up the demon falling down to the ground walking out of a fog onto a street where Sandra and Javelin are. So I, I guess, yeah, it, I guess you're supposed to, Mags is just saying, yes, Javelin and Sandra, Kate's ex is with the woman who she despises, who's, who's, which is adds another layer of why she hates this monster hunter. But the way it was designed art wise, it, it just came across as though it was, it was a fog, but yeah, I, I, the third issue when they're driving off together, I, I guess hammers the point home, but it was just one of those things where I thought, you know, for all I know, Kate's got a tumor. She's just dreaming all this. Or <laughs> see, there was a couple things. Yeah. I, I admit this, this sequence was a bit confusing. I thought, okay, maybe, um, this fabled beast has some kind of mind warping pro- uh, powers that, that is causing her to do this. Or Kate has some um psychodrama going on e- e- either way i mean you don't really uh, i don't need to know the reason why this is happening it it just could be um uh conceptual or it could be going on in her head it, i don't care but the the fact remains that javelin is with sandra so i mean i what, whatever the case it doesn't have to be real time she could and then it shows her driving away from from the fog she could have never even seen she could have been generating the image of those two women in her mind right that right. that that event didn't necessarily have so to happen javelin winking at it right yeah right no, I mean, it's yeah still, yes but okay yeah no i'll no I'll, i mean it's but it, 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 honestly i'm not being mean but do you really care no right that's right but it, but it, it, well but, but it well, added pages to something where it's like it could have been the answer you is you don't care assuming you don't need to care Right. It's true. If, yes. if it's a plot yeah. point, then it's a bit more of a it's a bit more of a critique of Mags' approach. Right? right. But you don't you don't that's the that's the thing. I don't know if it was um, written this, well. I'm sure it was written this way because the right. artist drew it. So it may have been intentionally. We I guess we won't know until the the, the fourth issue. But the thing that gets me is. She's trying to bring down these seven fabled beasts. There's one issue left. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is she? <laughs> how How is it going to happen? Was there, this always going to be a miniseries or no? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. She had planned for seven beasts and it just sales weren't there. Could could be. But the covers are really nice. Um, the art is 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 pretty pretty kicking. It's just uh, there's there's issues with the main character, and that's a problem when when you have to propel yourself through multiple issues, and the person in the spotlight isn't all that likable. And this is not irredeemable Ant Man, 
where at least you could say, my God, this is a buffoon. <laughs> He, no, I'm not. I'm not pointing a finger at you. You know, I know you're not. this guy. This guy's. He's a schlep, and he's never gonna. He's never gonna make good, but he does make good, right? This is is the opposite of that. I, I don't see any kind of redemption for this character. In in one issue, in 22 pages, how's this going to pan out? She's not going to complete the quest to make, bring down the seven beasts. I, I don't think she's going to have that much of a. Um, an epiphany where she's going to completely change her character because that's what's going to be required for me to even uh, remotely like this character. I don't know. I just don't see it coming to a satisfying ending. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I hate to shit on it, but you know, it, it is what it is. And, and it's, it's, it's enjoyable visually, uh, story-wise. Mm, not so much. I like characters that I, I don't think I'm supposed to. Like, I, I have more respect for Javelin, Javelin for sweeping in and getting what she wants and getting the job done, you know? I don't know. Not, not the sense of entitlement. No, no. Right. It, it's, 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 it's smarmy. It's icky. It was a miniseries from Jump. Okay. Well, maybe there's some grand plan that we'll see pan out in issue four. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe she does have a time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But as it stands right now. Kate can go jump. <laughs> well, then, mm-hmm. then, well, we got it. We'll wash the taste out of our mouth with that, and keep the tag team train going. We could do that. Tag and team back again, right? Let's uh, let's let's. You should set up something we did enjoy with the third and fourth issues of Peter Kane and Thunderbolt. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it it shocks me that I mean, Dynamite's one of my favorite companies for reasons other than everything displayed in Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. Um, it it's very shocking that this came out of Dynamite. The fourth issue is absolutely one of my absolute favorite issues so far this year. Yeah, I, I concur that that it, this is a very anti-dynamite dynamite book. It is. Yeah. It's yeah. it's the antithesis of dynamite. Um, Peter Cannon. I'm enjoying it so much. <laughs> Peter Cannon Thunderbolt number three and four, written by Kieran Gillen, illustrated by the disturbingly talented Casper Wingard. Um, we talked about this before for those of you who haven't been paying attention. World's on the brink of disaster. Uh, nations are fighting. Nobody's getting along. Uh, relations are degrading minute by minute by minute. The doomsday clock is ticking. Uh, what could possibly bring everybody together? Well, an alien invasion. And this sounds very familiar because issues, at least issues one and two, uh, were a pastiche or an extrapolation, or creative inspiration from Watchmen. These are, um, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt was the inspiration for um, Conrad. Amandias. Oh, it was Amandias, Conrad Veet. And um, so Gillen ran with it and played with the formal aspects of comics in issues one and two. We won't go back into that. And there's more of that in three and four because... Um, he confronts Thunderbolt with his hastily constructed ragtag band of uh, international superheroes. You have Supreme Justice, Baba Yaga, Phosphorus, Nucleon, and the Test. And one by one, Thunderbolt just completely shreds 
the opposition, with the exception of Peter Cannon, as expected, right? Smartest man in the room, unless there's another Peter Cannon in the room, which <laughs> is the case. So you got two smartest men in the room. What happens? And Thunderbolt is not easily beaten, but there is a, a there's a, a, a hanky. There's, there's a chink in the armor. Thunderbolt, although he has reached the level of perfection because he consulted the sacred scrolls and found a way to elevate himself to uh, mental and physical perfection in his universe, much like ours, Peter Cannon did in ours. But perfection in this universe is, I guess, not the same perfection that is in our universe. And the 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 caveat is that he could never leave his his sphere of protection. And he has his buddy, his his robot buddy, there with him. Um, but it, it's not the same. He's lonely. He doesn't. He may not profess to be lonely, but he's 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 crazy because he's living with a, a construct alone. He's got he, nobody to call his own. No, and he's trying to trying to uh, what he's doing. He's working under the banner of altruism, where he he plans to save a universe at the expense of countless other universes. What did he say? He he's dragging. Um, uh, countless mountains of the dead just to save you know one universe and then it'll be all worth it so he's he's batshit crazy and you have peter cannon and thunderbolt facing off and the neat thing about it is peter cannon goes to a wall and he's trying to escape and he's drawing a a, a rectangle on the wall which of course speaks to the formal aspects of comics right and there's a nine panel grid in in a lot of these issues, it, it it it's it's it walks and talks like Watchmen, but it it's not Watchmen. It it's using it as a springboard, and um, he's pushed out of this geometric form, and he he spills between um, universes. And as he does, if you look at that page, what are all the shapes on the side of the construct? They're all rectangles. So he's still pushing that formal aspects of comics. Um, jumping beyond the the geometric enclosure of the panel borders into this this expanse, this this nowhere land. And where does Peter Cannon land? Well, he he comes to a universe where he lands in 1993, <laughs> which is significant, right? Because the uh, the focus of all this stuff, um, a writer artist thought that his um, his Alec stories peaked in 1993 um and i am of course talking about eddie campbell and you land uh, peter cannon lands in a realm that it's casper wingard's take on trying to draw like eddie campbell and it's the whole um alec approach applied to this storyline it's in black and white he uses dot patterns he tries to get a line that that's somewhat like eddie campbell's the the panel structures like eddie campbell's the narrative captions um written by hand on top of the panels like it looks like an eddie campbell comic if you didn't know any better if you looked at it from across the room you would say that's an eddie campbell comic but casper wingard has a very different line than campbell's but he's he's doing his best and it looks really great mm-hmm. um and and they get into the meta aspect of it when one of the the members uh, or one of the denizens of this bar his his name is is Eddie the artist right mm-hmm. and he he loathes superheroes he's a cartoonist 
and he <laughs> loathes, loathes superheroes. And he, he gets into a fist fight, or almost, with Peter Cannon over the subject. And I, I, I don't really... Peter Cannon alerts the authorities and says, you know what, um, you're going to have an alien invasion soon. Uh, I'm not going to tell you any more than that, but once they do show their faces or their ships, call me back at this number. And the people probably think he's crazy. And and the, the, the narrative proceeds apace, but it's more of a pastiche on Eddie Campbell's approach to comics than it is. Like, the story's secondary. This is, is Wingard and... Uh, company just flexing their muscles saying look at that we can, we can do an eddie campbell it, it works and it does it works very well but th- at this point does the story matter to you it was <laughs> it was more of a wow this is real close to eddie campbell and it's it's neat that the story keeps moving but i was more entertained by the the like a look eddie campbell the mechanics of it now. yeah than i was mm-hmm. the story yeah uh i Pretty much agree with everything you just said. Cool. I, I think this is a book that, because, well, Dynamite is known for taking these public domain characters and doing comics about them. Uh, this is not the first, the last, or they've done what hundreds, thousands of of comics about the pulp characters and the Charlton characters. Yeah. So I suspect this book is being completely cast aside by a tremendous amount of people who would be blown away by it. Sure. And I, were I, you not a proponent of the book, I would be along among that group because sure. while I very much like Kieran Gillen, I, I as you know, I dynamite generally a hard sell for me. Uh I I think this book is some next level comic book work. Yep. For all of the reasons we've discussed in when we when we spent a lot of time talking about the first two issues, now that I, for, for as it, there are so many deconstructions and homages and smart winks to not just classic comic stories and creators, but the very nature of what comics are as a medium. It's it's so layered, but executed so well where the if you're just one of those surface level narrative guys, you're not you're not being mistreated here either. And I I, I don't think you can praise the uh, execution of what they're doing any higher. I think it's it's next level. Right. It's it's next level. It's it's worthy of the highest praise. And I I I hope at least from the the throngs of people that listen to this show, it will help uh, expose this because this is not just another dynamite uh public domain book no it's much much more and if you're an eddie campbell fan the dialogue is going to make you giggle because they they use keywords from eddie campbell's career fast fiction is used in here um the word tundra is mentioned um and and of course it's it all plays into the the history of eddie campbell but you don't need to know that to read this if you do know it it adds another layer of of conceptual gold to it but mm-hmm. it's not necessary to to understand what's going on you could just uh, be i mean you can go in this, into this entry level and and get the story but when you know 
and you've experienced Eddie Campbell stuff, it's it's so much richer, right? When when he says tundra, I was like, oh my god, are you kidding me? It's yes, it, <laughs> it, it's by the number. It's not by the numbers, but it's 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 it takes significant events in the the career of Eddie Campbell and twists right. them into into keywords and situations mm-hmm. that are cool. It's just it's wonderful. And you and, know what? I'm glad that you said this. That um, it's probably being overlooked because I, I can almost guarantee that it is. But uh, and I, I can probably guarantee that you pro you won't see any more of this after Dynamite will probably go back to the the status quo with these characters and and not try anything like this for a while because it is atypical and I'm sure it's not generating big numbers. With, uh, does a dynamite yeah. book generate big numbers anyway? No, you know. So I mean, it was it, it's a it's an awesome artistic experiment, and we should love it while we have it. But I I don't think it's gonna I, I really don't think it's gonna happen again. We don't we don't have any window into Kieran's process here or how he took took the gig or what they told him to do for the gig. But uh, just on pure let's say institutional memory as to how these things go. This very much feels like Kieran deciding, fuck it. I, I'm, I'm going to do this book about Peter Cannon. I'm just going to have a blast with it. Right. Like, I don't like, I I'm going to make the book I want to make and uh, maybe someone else will like it. And uh, that's what it feels like. Uh, it's that I, there's just so much fascinates me about this because I, I wonder if he just put out a book with the same type of, character type uh at image say uh what what the reception would be uh would it be getting more praise would it would it be cast aside i i don't know i don't know the answer but i i will tell you that i would love to hear from kieran or if he's done an interview about it i i'd love to know what motivated him to do this because look real talk uh Unless you're a select few in the comics world, you're not breaking the bank making comics. You do it because you love it. And Kieran has been a uh, prolific creator for a long time. Um, no idea if he makes bank or doesn't. But point being, lots of guys that are very accomplished uh, creators take gigs at second and third tier publishers because of the paycheck. They they need extra work. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if. Dynamite said, "Kieran, we we could you you want our some books for us?" And he said, "Sure, I'll take the, t- the paycheck. I'll spend the extra couple of days a month scripting something." So it's neat to me that he made so much more out of it than he probably needed to. Right. I don't think the the Charlton characters are public domain, but okay. Right. Or, no, or, or, I, well, I'm. But I'm guessing he said th- th- there was probably a meeting somewhere along the line where they said, "Hey, Gillen, you want to do something for us?" And he said, uh, "Okay, you have." Thunderbolt, right? Well, you know, he's thinking that was the inspiration for um, Ozymandias. Uh, how about I do a, a, a takeoff on, on on Watchmen? And, and I'm going to throw some Eddie Campbell in there. They probably said, okay. Because when, when you have a, a writer on the level of, of Gillen say, mm-hmm. I want to do something for you, you're not going to say no, right? Especially if you're friggin' dynamite. Right. You know? So I'm guessing it was just like a, a no holds barred, do whatever you want, and we'll publish it. And he said, "Okay, sounds good to me. I want Casper mm-hmm. Wingard to do it. Okay, we'll get him." 
well, whatever strange alchemy went into making this happen, uh, we need more of this, especially from places like Dynamite. Right, right. There's nothing to lose here. And that's why, again, books like this at places like Dynamite should be more like this. Right. Like this, Completely different, but this is not dissimilar to me in terms of the the output as when Sholi did G.I. Joe Transformers, right? Right. Like, and I'm, again, totally different books, right? Different creators, different approach. I, I'm not comparing them from a aesthetic perspective, but I'm saying it's like, listen, we're going to give you the keys to this this little kingdom and you do you. That's all we ask. Right. We're not going to burden you with this corporate IP overhang or some kind of cockamamie continuity that we want you to stick to. You just tell a story featuring these characters that we own, and we're good with that. Yeah. And that's cool, man. We need more of that. I think that's the way it should be. Right. Right. Yeah. Where the IDW presence in the marketplace is known for something that's completely different than Dynamite. IDW is more of a licensed character yeah, company. Yeah. So, But Dynamite, they're going to find their perception, their public perception, very hard to shake. Because while they do things like this, like um, Thunderbolt and you had Barbarella, which it was cheesecakey, but visually it was not cut from the dynamite cloth. It was very, mm-hmm. it was beautiful visuals, right? Every once in a while, you'll get a, 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 a jump in concept and quality with a dynamite book, but then they keep putting stuff out like Vampirella, and I don't want to lump Mark Russell's Red Sonja into it, because that's different. He's not, it's Mark Russell. He's not approaching Red Sonja the way even Gail Simone did, when you know they emphasize the body over, I, I shouldn't say that with Gail. They they still kept the 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 image of Red Sonja. Well, Mark Russell's taken a different approach completely because it's Mark Russell and that's how he mm-hmm. works, right? But Dynamite's going to have a hard time shaking when you're publishing Betty Page and Elvira and Hackslash. Um, and the the chaos girls, Purgatory, and and, and Deja yeah, Thoris, yeah, and Deja Deja Thoris. Like you, you're you're setting, um, you're casting yourself in an image that people are going to look at and say, okay, these guys print they they publish TNA books, and and more. It that's more or less true, right? Right. It's not boundless, but it's, it's no, it's not crotch shots. But right. I mean, they they celebrate the female form at Dynamite and. I mean, I love that, so I buy into it. But the things like this are going to get, like you said, lost in the shuffle when you have a, an absolute sea change in quality and and concept that it's just completely unexpected. Like this, this feels like an image book, or even more to the point, it feels like a very good Vertigo book when Vertigo mm-hmm. was kicking, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I I'm just really happy we have it. I, I don't. Same. I'm. I'm not so concerned about the perception of it or the reasons why it came to be. I'm just glad it exists because it's just, it's, it's exciting and it and it's electric and it's, it. You can read this series, what we've what we've been presented with, what four issues. You can go back and read them over and over and find something new in them. 
That's the the mark of a a, a quality um, comic that has that's going to you know last over multiple multiple readings. Mm-hmm. That's not you can't say that with most dynamite stuff, unfortunately. Very true. Yeah. Did you love it, Dap? The fourth issue absolutely blew me away. I, I dug the third issue because obviously it picks up where you know Pete or Pete Prime and 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 his band went to uh, face the now evil Peter Cannon. Um, so the third issue, of course, I said, kind of picks up where that was going. But seeing um, Prime escape to 1993 Tundra was just I I couldn't stop staring at it I just I purposely read it slow just because I was so taken by it um yeah I think it, it's another comic where I didn't know like, like the Mary Shelley Boston I didn't know where I know Thunderbolt but not to any sort of degree, but what whatever Kieran's doing here is uh, striking my fancy. I can't believe I'm enjoying a Peter Kane Thunderbolt comic as much as I am. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a hardcover, I, I, I bet. Do they do hardcovers? Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask that. Yeah, they do. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, they like, just, that, that, like that Dreadstar one coming out. Well, no, but they, I mean, they just put out the Red Sonia hardcover that the Roy Thomas and, uh, you know, that I talked about a couple episodes back. They they do occasional hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> I love it when we all love something. Seriously. Especially when it's unexpected. I know. That's yeah. true. Yep, yep. Yeah, baby. So uh, take me away. What you got? You got another lightning round? Because your list is pretty freaking long. <laughs> well, I mean, my man Dad might have some some things he wants to interject on. Let's see what, what we got. We got. Um, uh, Jason, what did you think of the first issue of Deceased? Oof. Yeah, we could do a little D, a little ba- a little DC uh, first issue lightning round because we 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 read a couple of the same books. Uh, deceased. Yeah. Mm, that's going to be a hard pass for me. It's, you know what? If if I ever wanted to know what DC zombies would have been like, this is it. It's there's <laughs> yeah. When it was solicited, my first thought was, oh, this isn't this isn't DC really trying to just do Marvel zombies, right? And then. <laughs> And then I thought, well, but but to, to be fair, I I do like Tom Taylor as a writer. Sure, absolutely. Now, now I have not read his Injustice run because that that doesn't really appeal to me. But but all of his Marvel stuff, including most notably for me, the the work he's done on All New Wolverine X twenty three with 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 Laura and and Gabby, I love. I think it's great. Uh, so so I'm a pro Tom Taylor. Let me make that clear. Um, and listen, Trevor Harrison, dude. I mean, yep. We don't get to see Trevor Harrison draw comics very much anymore. So when they solicited a Tom Taylor written book with Trevor Harrison drawing it, I thought, well, she, I'm picking it up. And I wouldn't say it was a bad first issue, but it was everything I would have expected based on the stereotypical reaction to the solicit. 
it is uh, an Elseworlds tale where uh, the anti-life equation gets mutated into being spread like a virus through devices and those devices turn everybody into zombies. I, I so I, I just, I, I don't need that story. I, I don't. It, and, and I know it seems silly to say, I don't need what it, it is very lazy to say, criticize a comic by saying why did it didn't need to be created? No, no, no work of fiction needs to exist other than to please the artist who creates it. Uh, so I, 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 I don't want to misspeak there, but for me, it feels no, in a world where we have hundreds, frank, frankly, thousands of comics in my house waiting for me to read that I have yet to read, this doesn't come close to rising to the top of any kind of itch I want to scratch. I, um, I, I can be a mark for, for DC events. Um, that is some true. of my favorite DC stories are DC events. Now I'm 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 glad. Now I, I didn't read the solicits and I didn't read any you know, aside from Tom's tweets when he started teasing the idea. Um, I didn't know what you mentioned that it's an Elseworlds tale, and I really and, and I, I I need that to be true. Not not because um, what's happening to the characters. I just want to know that it, as long as this is not whatever earth our heroes are currently on, because then this all just gets fixed at the sixth issue. And I, I like Marvel zombies and that, and, and, and whatever earth that takes place on, I need this to be this so that the story can actually be told the way it should be told. And, 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 there are consequences and, and whatever happens to these characters actually sticks in this universe. And, and that, that will help me with this story because again, if, you know, after Desaad and, and dark side leave cyborg and, and, and send him away. And then, especially with what happens to, to, to dark side, like I just, I don't want someone, I don't want Dr. Fate to show up, snap his fingers and everything goes back to the way it was. Um, so as long as this happens here, wherever this is, then I, I, I respect that story because this is Tom just going crazy with, with DC characters. That is a cool idea. Doing doing things with these characters that you wouldn't normally see, I can get behind. But um, I think... I really appreciate. I, I dug the dialogue a whole lot, especially when the rest of the Justice League um, has, is, has has surrounded Batman because Batman realizes that Cyborg um, is off world, and and Superman says, asks, you know, did the Cyborg know you were tracking him? And and Batman's just standing there silent, and Flash is asking, so are you tracking? any of us do you have a tracker on superman and and there's a deliberate pause and batman says no and ollie being ollie says anyone else concerned about that slight pause yeah i thought that was my favorite part of the entire issue that little exchange right there i i i think tom's got a great handle on characters especially since the little bit of 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 the wolverine series i read i did not read injustice um but i know tom can write characters really well I thought the art 
was solid. But yeah, as as a um, as I'm reading it, it just especially, and then I get to the end, and and I, it it seriously was, it, it reminded me of Kirkman and 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 Phillips doing Marvel Zombies, and and that's if that's what it is, that that's cool. But there wasn't anything as I was reading this that that there really wasn't any major. Oh shit! Moment for me in the entire issue. Really? Yeah, yeah. Dark side grabbing the black razor by the face didn't make you say "oh shit." <laughs> no. Wow. No. And, it's, and I know, I know, and 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 even and that was the other thing. It's like, hey, this is cool. It's like, okay, now there's a couple of James Heron pages, and not you know who who doesn't love James Heron, but I'm like, well, this is right. Just, I mean, right. I that that seems oddish, but okay, and and at least it took place on Apocalypse was its own thing um so it wasn't jarring as far as that goes but um yeah no i just yeah i mean it's it's a cool visual but yeah for for i guess i I guess i was just detached at that point early on in the issue where seeing something like that didn't um it i didn't register how how uh significant it was didn't have the impact it probably should have well, I guess I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum then. Not surprised given the, the content. Of yeah, because I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. That pleases me. Yeah. And I hope that last page is true. That'd be kind of awesome. But, well, that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, when you see things like this, then, then you know, and, and so now now one of their greatest minds has been taken off the board. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean there it it's Tom is has has put things in motion where there should be um some weight to the rest of the story. If 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 the rest of our heroes who are still going to be left as as the series story continues, um there probably will be some gravitas. I, I, I may when I get around to, to reading the rest of it, I may feel this sense of 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 dread or worry, I'll be concerned for for whatever's going on. If 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 something happens to Superman and only Lois and and John are left, you know things like that, I could be concerned about that. But um, as far as the uh, the first volley, I just it was I didn't shrug, but I was like, okay, that's that's cool. That's where they're going with it. I, I'm not I'm not gonna tell anybody who enjoyed it that you know. Well, you're just silly, but this is I. I wanted more. I didn't get more. That's on me. Just to confirm, Tom Taylor said specifically that the story takes place out of continuity, so that we can do far more damage and toy with your emotions. That nice. is awesome. Nice. That's perfect. I, and I and you know, any story that makes cyborgs suffer is okay in my. Oh book. man, that's messed up. No, I don't like to. Get, well, racist. I I I not any, racist. Any, any any story that makes cyborg as a Justice League member suffer. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Not, he needs yeah. to pay his dues. Yeah, he he has not paid his paid his dues to get into the cyborg. I'd be like, yo, that's fucked up. Right? Yeah, because I that character I can I can wrap my head around this character who was just shoehorned into the Justice League just because. No, Absolutely. yeah, and, no, and I don't. It, it's it's you know the Victor Stone was you know it, the whole accident and his dad trying to you know make him make him better the way he was and but i mean once with the new 52 and the whole you know he's got 
you know, alien technology from Apocalypse. It's like, no, that just no. stop. Just One to, thing about DC versus Marvel is that DC just loves to remind you of all their characters' origin stories. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I feel like I've seen so. Batman's parents get shot a hundred times. <laughs> I've seen Victor Stone on the football field and then waking up being half machine like 20 times like it's incredible i've seen i've seen the flashes get hit by lightning a hundred times and i've read like less than a hundred flash comics so i like it's crazy how much they feel compelled to remind you of how they got their powers i think the problem with cyborg started when they stopped referring to him as vic and started calling him victor that was the problem for me. And I know it seems... Oh, it seems ridiculous, but okay. It seems ridiculous when he stopped being young because you use, huh? you use the, the familiar. Hey, Vic, what's up? And, it, and then all of a sudden they elevated him to Victor. And now he's in the Justice League. Like, give me a break. He's a teen titan. He will always be a teen titan. What other teen titans, as we discussed, have been Justice League members? It's True, but only temporary and never... And never with, as a founding member. And never with some cockamamie backstory that he has apocalyptic technology. And I'm like, that is... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. See, this is what gets me. You, you just said you love deceased, which the concept is that the anti-life equation yes. morphs into a technological virus that turns people into zombies. It's cool. You're cool with that. I am. But God forbid no. they make Cyborg's awesome body somehow linked to apocalyptic technology. You're hilarious. It has no it has no Kirby connection. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's just this trumped up thing to 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 fit Cyborg into the big picture DC universe when he shouldn't. He he's he's cybernetic. That's enough, right? He can do incredible things. He doesn't need to have apocalyptic technology. I believe him without it. So it's irrelevant. But the but anti you marked out when Batman got Metron's seat. Well, sure. Well, Kirby never did that. No, but it's a nice use of Kirby's seed. Well, maybe the this many is people... not. By the way, I'm just I was joking about the racist thing, but but you realize, of course, that a lot of people, it's very, very cool and important to them that that Cyborg has been retconned into the Justice League's founding members, right? I understand because he's a that. person of color. That's great. I mean, that is a big thing for a lot of people. So. I'm and and more power to them. It, if it works for them, oh my god, I'm so happy. It doesn't yeah. work for me. That's yeah. fine. I know you're not. You and Dapper are in the same line there. Yeah. Um, Dap, I also want to talk about because I know we both read this and it's been on our list for a few weeks. So I don't know if that's a condemnation of it or not. But speaking of Brian Hill, who we sung yes. his praises of American Carnage, he and Dexter Soy. Uh, are the creative team behind Batman and the Outsiders, which relaunched. New team, no rules. Um, what did you think? Um, I... I liked it, but I... I didn't love it. You, you, you name something, the Outsiders, especially Batman and the Outsiders, you have... Peak my interest. I'm going to check it out. You're giving me Black Lightning and Katana, who are, of course, founding members of the Outsiders. Um, but where you kind of sort of lose me um, is with Orphan, who's a cool character. And I, I, I enjoyed her in, in the Detective Comics when I, I was reading that um, a while ago. 
Sigma kind of isn't doing anything for me, and, and which is unfortunate because I was there when his story started, and um, I like Duke, but for whatever reason, I'm just not feeling Signal. And uh, for somebody who is supposed to be Batman's protege and and learning from him, he's... Batman just has stubborn sidekicks, and and mm-hmm. this this hasn't changed. But um, there's whatever tiff is going on between Signal and Black Lightning. I thought the art was um, worked in in most places. Not quite sure when Katana got so top heavy, but I was going to say is. the same thing. Katana is stacked. Um, but the uh, you know the whole Soul Sword thing. That's that's a throwback. I dig that a whole lot. Um, but yeah, I um, I'll I'll read the next couple issues, especially so so this way, um, Brian can get a get his footing with with these heroes. It, it it's it's way different than American Carnage. So um, I, I don't want to finish reading one mm-hmm. and then read the other and say, okay, well I I don't you know this just isn't working. Let's let's get the 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 team together and and get what's going on it was weird that you know it's called batman and the outsiders but almost in the first issue batman's like no 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 it's 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 your team and i'm just going to be you know hanging out here in the shadows but maybe not um i'm sure you dug the introduction of one of the one of the characters one of the one of the big bads but the uh at least his name but no i um it's weird it's another one where i i had um expectations that and and it's not so much because it was brian hill but because again you're going to name something it 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 might be similar to you know naming an x-men title or an avengers title and then it 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 not quite hitting the mark for you um it it's it's kind of where i'm at right now um i'll i'll give it a couple of issues to see how i feel about it as as things are are shaping up but um it it wasn't a, a complete whiff but i just i I had expectations that weren't met. So again, th- that's on me, but um, I, I I expect something I didn't get. Hmm. I'm looking at it now. Um, first blush, I think it looks like an Aspen book. Oh, it totally does. Yeah. 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 Well said, Vince. I, I, I don't have the history with Batman and Stars like you do, uh, Boo. I know that it's a, it's a character, set of characters you really adore. Uh, but I am I am always intrigued by it, and uh, I do like Jefferson Pierce a lot. Yep. So uh, I I was excited by this too because I do love team books. But for me, all I can say about it is it was a perfectly adequate big two team book, right? It 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 it, it, it was. I don't. It's going to sound insulting to say it this way, but it's it's by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's it's just it's. It's take a little bit of of column A, which is classic characters. Take a little bit of column B, which is new characters from relative to the team membership. Um, put them together. Put an angsty Batman. Give us some villains. And and rinse repeat. I, I did. It did nothing for me. I didn't read it and think, "Oh, this is terrible." I just read it and thought, "This is like a thousand other Marvel and DC." 
B team books I've read before. Yeah. It's it's fine. If if this was, it, it all comes down to who the characters are for me. I, if you're a big Outsiders fan, this is probably fine for you. If if like for me, uh, like with West Coast Avengers, I, I I prefer that because I care more about the Marvel universe, right? So I'm probably going to be more lenient about a book like that than than others would be. Whereas this, I'm I'm I don't really have a ton of attachment to any of the characters other than Black Panther. Real, I mean uh, Black Lightning rather. Um, so yeah, it was fine, I, but I think Vince, you hit on it. I was reluctant about the book when I saw that Dexter Soy was the artist, because honestly, the only thing I remember about Dexter Soy is the quote unquote run he did on Captain Marvel back in the day, which, uh, got me to cancel the book. Uh, and while I think he has improved from there, um, I think you're right. I think this is a very Aspeny looking book. It's, or, or a Zenoscope book, uh, all we're nine. It's a nine. It's all the characters are overly buxom and look if if um, lords know we're not uh above cheesecake or tna i mean uh, we we i've talked about porn comics before on the show like like i have nothing against the idea of women being overly voluptuous where it's makes sense in this book it just looks egregious I, it doesn't like katana like you said it, it looks she looks ridiculous i think in that robe i i, I don't like it looks like he drew her just to titillate. Yeah, and so I, I just it, it just it, you know it's 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 a recipe, right? I love titillation in a book that's meant to do that. I don't think this book was meant to do that. So Dexter's art is not not well suited. I don't think to right. what they're trying to do here. Just a couple of comments. I think the um, Black Lightning Duke sequence visually is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, I, th- I believe that Aspen is a good number of notches above Xenoscope in quality. Uh, well, I'm with you on the, on the Aspen. <laughs> I'm not with you on the Xenoscope. Okay. Um, well, I, I, that's, that's, I, I can't think of that. I've, right. I don't know that you I've just actually read a Xenoscope book. So, right. And, and you said it's a by the numbers, um, approach to a, a super team for a lot of people. That's enough. Right, right. No, so, that's why. I no, say it. so that it's may be enough. Yeah. yeah, it's perfectly. Um, it's fine, but I think we're at the stages in our lives and our our reading habits where fine or good enough just it doesn't cut it. Especially when you're springboarding off a concept of Batman and the Outsiders, which is beloved by a lot of people who remember that book. Right. You know, when you got Jim Aparo and uh, a cast of characters that have have grown with the readership and you try and call a book Batman and the Outsiders, you're living up to a pretty steep legacy, right? So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have the the soft spot for Batman and the Outsiders that David does. Mm-hmm. I, I have somewhat of a history with it, but nowhere near as comprehensive as David. So I don't have any kind of preconceived notions for you know this thing other than i i would want it to be something something good something special and from what i can see i haven't read it but from what i can see it's just it's it's good enough right it's just good enough but that 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 doesn't cut it for me there's a lot of books out there that are good enough exactly exactly and and for what it's worth i i read the entire run of uh judd winnick's Outsiders. I, Outsiders. That was great. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, yep. So, yeah. There you go. Yep. We're up. We're down. Not every book, not every book could be a masterpiece. No, it's That's true. true. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, that's true, right? But, was, and, um, and you said something about Katana's drawn to titillate and it has no place. It is a mainstream book, right? So the mainstream is is was created for and delineated by white middle-aged men for men, right? So the fact that she's got nice breasts, it shouldn't be surprising in the mainstream because that's the bread and butter of these books. Yeah, like, don't that. There you go. I mean, that's who buys the lion's share of mainstream comics are are approaching middle-aged men. So mm, yeah, but they're, they're preaching we, to we, the choir. We need to get past that, right? We do. I, oh, I'm I'm saying, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But it hasn't happened yet. I mean, it, it's it's creeping, but it, 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 we're not there yet. There's a, as you know, there's a number of of female creators and artists that wow, bring them more in, but. We still got a ways to go, I think. And this 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 typifies that or exemplifies that, right? Yeah, right. All right. Um, before we get to in your travel, since this did not win um, the book of the month, and I'll have to return it to the library soon. Um, <laughs> I've read an Eisner nominee for the first did time in now? years. In in the year it's nominated, um, who knows if it's going to win? Uh, but I'm talking about Sabrina by Nick Trisano, and it is, um... Talking about a book like Sabrina, look at you! (laughs) (laughs) Knew you knew me. So, um... Yeah, I didn't... Listen, it's, it's, um... It's not your, uh... It's not your typical mainstream superhero book, for sure. Um... It's it's about a woman who you don't know much of uh, after the first few pages because she is kidnapped and murdered, and um, her uh, her boyfriend um, leaves Chicago and um, goes to Colorado to spend some time um, with his friend from high school. Um, Teddy is Sabrina's boyfriend, and he's kind of just numb to it all. He's, he hangs around Calvin's place, um, sitting around in his underwear, barely eating, um, kind of just um, very uh, hardly talking. Um, we'll scream every once in a while, but he, he doesn't know how to um, express himself really uh calvin works for the department of defense um and you may want you may be expecting things to happen in this book and it's really just a bunch of panels some smaller than others of of people talking it it's very quiz quiz it's very chris <laughs> ware like yes. yes um and it's Thanks to, you know, hair, you're able to uh, distinguish characters. But for the most part, a lot of people kind of look alike. Everybody's kind of got the same stocky build, um, smaller heads, but but larger torsos, kind of some long legs. Um, it's, it's very much 
kind of a, a story that's that's told now that there is a reference to to nine eleven. Um, but when the a tape is released of um, of the murder and gets leaked, and then people um, view it, and you have some conspiracies come up. They talk about Sandy Hook and and how Sabrina is actually still alive and. Uh, she, she's living on this island where probably where, where a bunch of the kids that were were told were killed at Sandy Hook are all living, and and it goes down a very dark and disturbing um, tunnel. And it's I can't really say that it it ends in a um, in a happy place or on a high note, but it it's it's a book where you just I read it pretty quickly um and it's it's not it's 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 not a small it's not a thin hardcover um and there is a ton of text and people send emails to each other and and Drisano just has small panels of of text in it with these emails from paragraph to paragraph but uh it's it's um yeah it's one of those things where i'm it's weird for me to say i'm i'm i am i'm glad i read it it's not something I'm going to read ever again. It's probably something I would consider recommending. Um, parts of it were kind of dark in a way that, like, you know, Duncan the Wonder Dog was dark. But there's, it, it's oh, talk about dusting off an old, an old goodie. <laughs> it's flat back. Uh, so we have, um, but no, this is it's you know, the 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 artwork makes you kind of think that there should be maybe some. Um, some more upbeat moments, but they're they're not, and and because it, it's almost ironic the way the, the way the characters are drawn, the way Trisano presents everything, um, but that also helps, or at least it helped me kind of understand just how um, how dark the world can be, and and how some people in it. Um, can behave irrationally and and take that to such an extreme level where um, they're 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 not they, they have to make you believe what they believe and um, I know that there are people like that in the world and 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 it's fucking sad but and and disturbing but uh, yeah it's it's I can kind of understand why it's an Eisner nominee I. The I, I come again by um, Nate Powell is sitting here on the desk as well, so I'll be reading that next. It completely, I mean, they're night and day differences. At least the first few pages of Powell's book are, but uh, it's also set in in the seventies. But yeah, Sabrina was. I mean, this wasn't going to be my in your travels, but I, I definitely wanted to at least speak on it because I don't know when I'll get a chance to again. But it, it's. It's, um, I know Will, Will, I don't want to say Will enjoyed it. I'm not going to speak for him. I know Mario wasn't really feeling it. Will, I think was, was, was the opposite. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I have I, it. I have to dust it off. Yeah, no. And, and yeah, and after you do read it, I mean, cause I, 
I'm not trying to. It's I don't. It, it's right there, you know. Sabrina is is kidnapped and and killed, so that's not giving anything away. But but the way the way characters react to it and Sabrina's family, how they handle things. Um, Teddy is just uh, he's. I, he, I'm not going to call him a lost cause, but uh, based the the kind of the star of the story is pretty much Calvin. And uh, what's neat is that you know every night he goes to work and he has to fill out like you know kind of a, a little psychological profile you know how much sleep did you get on a scale of one to five how stressed are you how much alcohol did you consume last night um little things like that and 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 there you'll see the way he he rates things and um how things change over the course of the story and and it's all it's all kind of very just truthful and, and matter of fact but um yeah i don't want to say it's weird or just that you know it it but and I'm I'm not going to do it justice reviewing it, but I I just when you do read it, um, probably speak on it more detail, at least a little bit more eloquently. But I I um I'd like to know what you think. Yeah, de- definitely. I I try and always read the the Eisner books, and uh, yeah, cool. I uh, I'm looking forward to giving it a try. Nice. Sweet. Sounds good. I, I no, I'm not being facetious. I, I know, I know. Because I I haven't read it. I don't own it, but it 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 looks uh, good. It, it also, I agree with you when you say it's got a, a Chris Ware vibe to it. Oh, big mm-hmm. time, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a drawn and quarterly book. Um, so it, yeah, but it's it's the colors are just the, the colors are flat. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as getting to know the characters, it it was. Um, and that's another thing is that you you're you're not nothing is rushed. You're it's it's deliberately paced and, and you're going to get to know these characters and um and and they pretty much feel real. So it's 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 a it's an accomplishment and, and it's um that it and the fact that I read it also, but it it's one of those things where yeah, it's it just shows you what, what the meaning could do because this could very easily have been have been a film and um you would at that point though you'd be forced to experience it however the filmmaker decided to film it and and however quickly the movie would however long the runtime would be here it's you know it's it's you're turning pages but because of the size of the panels because of the close-ups on faces it's you're 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 being forced to um Take as much time as you need, but um, your 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 hand is being held the whole way. So it, it's definitely a different um, experience in that regard. And as you alluded, Sabrina was one of the nominees for this month's book of the month. So why don't you tell our faithful listeners who won? Ah, oh, the winner of May's book of the month is the Demon from the Darkness. Which is, um, which contains the main reason why it was nominated is it contains the four issue miniseries, uh, written and penciled by Matt Wagner and inked by Art Nichols. Um, and it's the story that, uh, according to an interview way back when, um, that Matt Wagner was pegged to basically make the new status quo 
for the demon for Etrigan and, and, and for Jason Blood, uh, and and which was quickly kind of um, pushed away, and and everything was kind of put back to the way it was before Matt started his story. But it is beautifully illustrated. I I have not read it in some time, so I'm sure I'm thinking about it with rose-colored glasses right now, but I'm really looking forward to reading it again. Uh, and if you get the trade uh, from Comixology or you find the trade, um, it also includes issue, I believe issue 22 of the Demon Ongoing series. Never read it, so I'm excited. Excellent. Oh, I'm, Excellent. I'm giddy. It's a good choice. I'm liking it. And I'm I believe glad. it won by one vote, right, over the wicked and the divine. Yes, yeah, it was. It was. A, it was another very tight race, like it was last month. But yeah, um, and and where there a tie, I probably would have pushed, even though I, I put both of them. I, I asked if you guys had a problem with with either book being on the poll this month, so I probably would have pushed for the the demon if there was a tie, um, even though I have the first volume of the wicked and the divine right here, um, but. Uh, I'd have been fine with 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 either one, and and now I'm um, now that one of the things that I've been wanting to read, reread, has won. Um, I'm I'm almost at a loss as to what uh, what I'm going to put on there for June. But the um, yeah issue twenty two, I was right. But yeah, and I'm not sure if that was also done by Matt if he came back to do that issue, or if that was during the um, uh, Alan Grant and uh, Val Samik's run. Well, I know that was their volume, wasn't it, Vince? Yes. So I don't know if that's their issue or if Matt came in for an issue since I don't have the trade in front of me. Um, I don't. I can't say for sure if Samikas drew that issue. Right. But I'm pretty sure it's Alan Grant. Yeah. Yeah. I have an idea. What you got? Do you? Yes. Uh, for these books of the month, we all have various levels of involvement in them. Right? Yeah. Why don't we do uh, every three months? No, every four months. Orderly, okay. Only one of us gets to pick the 11. Like, this will be Jason's book of the month, and he'll pick all 11. Okay. And then, then you pick all 11, and then I'll pick all 11. Okay. Oh, okay. That's a kind of fun plan, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. That way, because I mean, we we agree on things. Well, all right, here's the, here's the behind the scenes. Dap usually picks most of them. <laughs> yeah, he's the driving force. He is. He picks most of them, and I'll be like, "Cool, you know, whatever happens, happens." But occasionally, there'll be a groan, like there almost was last month. But yeah, know. yeah. But I think it would be neat for just one time, three times a, a year. It's one of us is just driving that. I that, like it. That bus. I I. I co-sign that completely all right right on. and not just because i want you guys to now find out if if something's available digitally if it's only available i know I, 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 this way you guys have fun with it. that <laughs> you always make sure that the shit's available for y'all like, it's not good. Like, like we're gonna pick shit that's like here's, only here's manga that's out of print like an ebay auction for there you go <laughs> everybody's scrambling <laughs> there's only two left on amazon i'm buying it you got to beat somebody's grandmother up for it seriously give me that damn book all right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us once again. Remember the drill, the DCBS drill. Um, they get you your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for far less than everybody else is paying. Write these down. 
from Dark Horse, the first Dark Horse. It's Black Hammer Justice League number one for a dollar ninety nine. Titan Comics Blade Runner twenty nineteen number one for a dollar ninety nine. And the end of the Dark Horse. It's Flaming Carrot Comics Omnibus Trade Paperback Volume One, containing Flaming Carrot one and two, four to eleven and 25 and 27 and that includes the crossover with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it's only $12.49 that's half off that price that's printed on it in your travels i'm not going to talk about this at length because i want to talk about it next time it is it is uh from an artist that is very very near and dear to my heart i bought this book from uh picture box when they were still in business, Dan Nadell, not only did he sell picture box printed books, but he sold books from other publishers that he thought were worthy of your attention. And this is from Pantheon. It's a landscape format book of strips that appeared in a number of sources. I think three different sources, but I'll get into that next time. It came with a doodle and an autograph from the artist. It is by Mark Bayer, and it's called Amy and Jordan. And if you know your comics, well, your underground, or your art comics history, Amy and Jordan appeared in Raw Magazine, of all places, way, way, way back in the day. And other sources, it's... This is not going to be a book that appeals to everyone, because, well... Equal weight is given to form as well as narrative. Like, it's a bleak friggin' book. Um, the universe treats Amy and Jordan the same way Lucy treated Charlie Brown with the football. They're, they're not afforded any happiness at all. Um, and where Lucy just did it, I don't think she did it out of malice. I think Lucy just kept taking that football away from Charlie Brown just because she didn't know any other way to be, right? She was just being herself. The universe in uh, Amy and Jordan is very, very malicious. And um, it, the life for the pair is just suffering from which there's no escape. I, I kind of love this book. <laughs> but uh, Bayer plays with panel layout. Um, that's why I say equal weights given to form as well as narrative, because the visuals are just as important as what's going on. He uses um, geometric forms to uh, propel the story, but the panel, like if you did a, a percentage of how much of his panels are actually narrative content and how much are uh, design, I I would think it would be sometimes less than 50% narrative. Like he gets very designy. There's triangles and intersecting forms. There's checkerboards uh, with the characters' faces and the panels are just, you know, floating over them. It's it's a visually arresting book, but it's, like I said, it, it's very, it's very expressive. And, and it almost looks like Amy and Jordan and the world in which they reside are two-dimensional. Like when they turn sideways, you almost get the impression that they have no thickness to their bodies, like they're flat. And it's just a, a very unique and very different um, 
approach to storytelling in which the the envelope is just as important as the letter inside, right? So uh, if you have it, pull it out because I want to talk about it next time. It's uh, Amy and Jordan from Pantheon. I don't even know if, if this thing's still available. So like more to Jason's point, <laughs> I'm not too concerned whether or not you can get it. But uh, it, it's it's well, one Vince's of Vince's book of the month is going to be Vince telling us about the book. That no, was. no, no, no. Um, but Mark Bayer is one of those guys that um, he's he's way way high on my "I Love You So Much" list, and he always has been. So, Amy and Jordan by Mark Bayer. I'm going to talk more about this next time. Nice. Um, in your travels, um, I think I'm going to save. Uh, for, for next week's probably another um, lightning round. Guardians of the Galaxy number five was fantastic. Uh, is the issue I was waiting for. But in your travels, since um, there wasn't a whole lot of Marvel talk tonight, um, Superior Spider-Man number four and five. I stayed up a little late last night doing some reading, and and I was uh, trying to catch up on a few things. One of them was Superior Spider-Man, and the fourth issue picks up with uh, the Superior Spider-Man cleaning up San Francisco after the battle with Terax. Um, and he's going around uh, talking to first responders and um, other citizens in the city, cleaning up, saving them. Uh, but because it's Otto Octavius, who is like Peter Cannon, usually the smartest man in the room, um, and has that air of superiority about him, which is fitting. He um, he doesn't. He's not really a people person. Doesn't know quite how to talk to uh, to someone. And and uh, case in point is one of the firemen um, say that uh, you know we're 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 um, we're stretched so thin we don't even know you know where to look for survivors. The Spidey says, "Well, this tablet." Um, has uh, schematics letting you know that uh, where the locations are that will you know you'll find some survivors. Um, so deploy all your forces there. And the chief is like, well, what about what if there are people trapped in other places? Spidey's like, well, you can't save everyone. It's a waste of resources to try. And 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 the chief's face is just like just went pale. And he's like, I mean, uh, of course, I will be blanketing the undeserved. Uh, areas with my spider bots and should they detect any survivors, they'll alert me with or the proper authorities and, and the chief's like, yeah, no, I, uh, for a minute I thought you meant, you know, it's just, yeah, never mind. But you find out that um, Spider-Man really did mean, listen, you just, you can't save everyone. Some of these people are going to die. And the reason he saved himself from making more of an ass out of himself is because uh, Anna Marie was in his ear. So she's now the uh, the one back at HQ making sure that you know he kind of acts human and and so their relationship has changed somewhat and uh, when it comes to relationships, um, Elliot has a love interest in in uh, in some respect, um, and he she's a slightly older woman, but he doesn't care about age because he just cares about the person you are um so after you know he's pretty much done saving the city 
the end of the fourth issue, an old villain we haven't seen in a while comes back. So now, in the fifth issue, Spider-Man takes on Master Pandemonium. And and with the help of a Master of the Mystic Arts, and then that, um, that brings us to the... Uh, that continues into the sixth issue, which I'm I'm waiting to get. But uh, the date that Elliot is on doesn't go all that well, thanks to Master Pandemonium. It's just it's it's, it's written by Christos Gage, the art by Mike Hawthorne, uh, pencils by Mike Hawthorne, inks by by Wade von Graubadger, uh, and Andy Owens. Fantastic! It's it's a it's a fun. Uh, I can't say fun. Miles is more fun. It's it's a well done spider-man book um i it looks fantastic the covers by uh travis charay are um are striking and and i just i am happy it's around i'm glad we're still getting a superior spider-man comic i'm glad that uh it's it's a um it feels like the way it, the, the words are still coming the body looks different because it's not peter parker but but it, it still reads like slots old superior book um, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. So depending on how you feel about all the Spider-Man books on the shelves right now, uh, in your travels, if you can check out Superior Spider-Man. Respect. Master Pandemonium is always a good time. Right? I'll never forgive him what he did to Wanda though. Yeah. Well, the fucker, uh, in your travels. Check out uh, yet another triumphant book by Burger Books, the newest imprint at Dark Horse, of course, run by the legendary Karen Berger. This is The Girl in the Bay. Oh, which, I have those all set up. Nice. All right, cool. Which just finished up. It's a four-issue limited series. The fourth issue came out a week or two ago. I don't know, a couple weeks ago. I, I, I finally read it this week. Um, written by J.M. DeMatteis. Yes. With art by Corin Howell, colors by James Devlin, and letters by Clem Robbins. Um, I bought this much like uh, the other burger books because it's a burger book. I didn't know much about it, didn't recall the solicit, but I'm glad I did. Uh, the story is trippy. It um, it, it surrounds a, a, a woman named Kathy Sartori who is um, meets a handsome young man one night and there take a stroll towards a dock and go in for a little little first kiss and he guts her and leaves her to die in the lake and that's where the story picks up because she doesn't die or does she and she comes out of the water crawls out of the lake uh, and goes home only it's not her home people that uh, live there are not her family. And uh, she quickly discovers that it's not 1969, it's 2019. 50 years have passed in the blink of an eye for her. And DeMatteis and Hal give us a crazy look at uh, things like alternate universes, the idea that uh, there are infinite universes that each decision that we make creates a splinter uh, universe. And basically... She is confronted with the fact that she's still alive, uh, that she never died. So she meets her herself 50 years later. And she also feels compelled to track down the man who gutted her 50 years ago, who is still alive. 
and has continued to commit heinous acts. Um, I will say that visually I, I wasn't that familiar with Corrin. Um, in terms of the way he draws the regular human beings, um, it's relatively standard stuff. Quality, solid line, not a lot of depth to the line work. I, I, I think it's totally fine and serviceable for the story. But where I think he excels is when he gets into the fantastical. There's an element to this that ties into things like mandalas and um, reincarnation. And I think when he's in that part of the story, uh, it's beautifully uh, it's beautifully detailed. And then the other part is the antagonist is uh, the the killer's name is Hugh Lansky, but uh, he is um, he's driven by whether it's his id or his subconscious or some kind of demonic presence. He's he's it, the evil part of him. The thing that drives him to do these things is 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 visually represented in the book. Um, and there's there's some lack of clarity, I think, intentionally so about what exactly this this is. Is it a corporeal thing? Is it a demonic thing? But either way, the way he draws this thing is so freaky. And I'm going to give you a deep cut that uh, is probably going to be lost to anybody that wasn't born uh, before 1975. But do you all remember the Raggedy Ann and Andy musical adventure cartoon? Sure. Yeah. Well... I remember that because that is probably the most fucked up, tormented thing a, a 1970s parent could have done to their kid was sit them to watch that at night. Because I still remember, like it was yesterday, a scene where they are enveloped by this gelatinous, disgusting blob of a creature called the Greedy. And it freaked me out to the point where 40 years later I still remember it and I need counseling from it. And when I saw the way that Hal drew the the evil presence from this book, he drew it basically to look like the greedy. And I don't know if he intended to, but it like struck me to the core. <laughs> and he ain't trying to hat at, so it definitely gave me them feels in not the great way. But since it's a, a since, but but perfect for the for the mood of the book. So huge thumbs up. Um, since Dap has it on his stand, and I don't want to spoil. Spoil the book, but I will say that it's uh, it's a very complex book, but perfectly executed in four issues, and um, I think it does just the right balance between leaving you with some questions that that they want you to answer yourself, and then giving you enough of the story such that you feel vindicated um, on the journey that she takes you through in four issues, trying to figure out what happened to herself and her family and her killer. So definitely a uh, big thumbs up to the girl in the bay. And if I'm not mistaken, the trade paperback, I believe hits the stands in two or three weeks. So you can grab it that way. If you're not an issues person. Nice. Best of both worlds. I think we lost mints when I said GMD and Tejas. No, I like him. A oh my God. You there's no kidding? way in hell you'd, you'd ever lose. Kidding. With that. See, I was just, you were quiet. It was like you were zoned out. Uh, you. You were formatting the issue, the episode, weren't you? I was saving images, yes. See, yes, I knew it. <laughs> I multitask. It's the only yeah. time I do so. ABW, always be working. That's mm -hmm. right. Hey, everybody. Big hugs. Thank you for being here with us one more time. Come join us on the Facebook and the Instagram and the Twitter. And last but not least, the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Because we love you and we love to spend more time with you other than this, in addition to this. So in the meantime, say like a nah, uh, 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 it. <laughs> that was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs>
Good night. Wait, no, I can't do it again. Oh, Just pretend it's no. still going. Pretend it's still going. <laughs> David. Wow. Yeah, it's a hard one. I'm sorry. I I, I screwed up. That's a focaccia one. I know. <laughs> I used that word that word at work the other day, and someone goes, really? what does that mean? Yeah, I said it's a nice way of saying, you know, effed up. <laughs> it's true. No, I, I'm never going to do all the stutters. <laughs> but... And then you know, then he went talking for days, and then for days, just, sun's I, still I just, down. I didn't see it come up. You did what? I didn't see the sun come up. No, I said you talked for days. Right. Well, if it was days, then I would have seen the sun come up. Day. You're way past the point of no return now. <laughs> Unless you said David in there somewhere, I didn't hear you. I did. I did. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, everybody, that was great. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to call you three in the morning. David. David. Call me. You woke the dogs. That's right. That's be good. It. Yeah, That's get it. out there and be good to people. Do the right thing. Yeah. For God's sakes. For any God you may pray to. Yeah. That's right. That's true. Whatever. We don't care. As long as you're yeah. good, we don't care why you do it. Right. So go have a good time and then come back here very soon because we're going to do this again. It wouldn't be the same without you. And positive vibes to my dog who has surgery tomorrow. Big yes. time. Yeah, you, you got to keep me posted tomorrow. Oh, my man. little guy's just a... And, uh, did you hear nice. them? They didn't really say that. And happy birthday to my man, Jackson. Turns 14. That's right. Jesus Christ. Big day. Big day in the Woodhouse. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jesus Christ! <laughs> All right, we're, we're, for real, we're out of here now. We are. We'll be back. Yep. Back in two and two. <laughs>